What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Blazers Uprise Live here on a Monday. A Monday that kicks off the season, so to say, with Media Day. We had uh, a bunch of interviews today. We're going to go over all of them. Uh, this was also the day in which players did a lot of stuff that you'll end up seeing on TV and whatnot. Uh, so Media Day is a big ordeal for them and for fans. It's always fun as diehard Blazer fans. I'm not sure the, the casual Blazer fans were really paying much attention today, but for us diehard Blazer fans, it was fun to tune in and listen to interviews, hear what Dame thought after what was a tumultuous offseason if you paid attention to guys like Henry Abbott. Uh, and we're going to go over him, we're going to go over Chauncey, we're going to go over Olshay, who didn't cause a firestorm today somehow, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I didn't think that was possible. You still had a few complainers, but overall, it was a pretty boring conf press conference from Neil Olshay, which is a good thing. So we'll talk about that. We'll just go in chronological order. Eric, uh, how was your day? What were your takeaways from Media Day? And yeah, I thought it was very positive. Uh, the players all seemed happy. Uh, like you said, there wasn't any kind of standout um, thing you could really say oh this is terrible like why did he say that or whatever like there was no real negative parts to it um a couple times i think some people tried to make it go a negative route and it got shut down pretty quickly <laughs> um but uh yeah i think uh overall uh, i'm pretty happy with the way it, it, it uh worked out and uh it has me pumped for the season man yeah yeah it was after some of the previous press conferences this summer, it was a good thing that it was kind of boring at times. And mm -hmm. it, it was very insightful. So there was a lot of insightful stuff that was entertaining for me. But, I mean, there was nothing where people were freaking out about something. You know, yeah. I was worried like, oh, what if Dame phrases something a certain way <laughs> and isn't happy enough when he says it? People are going to say he's unhappy and spin that into some whole big ordeal. You know how uh, some of this fan base gets. So I was worried about that. I was worried about Neil Olshay uh, saying something with uh, too much of a smile or too much of a smirk. Or, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> There, or giving a, his water bottle signal to some Yeah, <laughs> and thank goodness he didn't have a water bottle on the table. Um, so overall, it was a pretty enjoyable day. More enjoyable than I thought it was going to be going in. Uh, it was cool to go join KGW's stream, which the audio was much better oh. on that one than it was elsewhere. And yes. uh, Shout out to those of you who are watching right now that were also chatting with us in there. There yeah, was that, a ton that of was... regulars. It turned into a... <laughs> Blazers up Fresh chat. <laughs> yeah, that was cool to have uh, a bunch of you guys in that KGW stream and to be able to like sit with you guys in a YouTube live stream chat uh, and be on your side of things for once, which uh, was kind of new, kind of a new experience for me and, and pretty fun. Uh, so that was enjoyable. And uh, shout out Apples for the three Australian dollar dono. He says Nance is very humble. We'll get into him after we get into uh, Olshay. Chris McGowan talked today, so I guess we can touch upon him. Uh, and then uh, Chauncey. We're just going to do everything in chronological order. So I already saw questions about certain players. We will get to every player that talked today. Unfortunately, 
Tony Snell, Ben McLemore, Greg Brown, CJ Ellaby didn't talk today. I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, I thought every player that was on the actual <laughs> roster, like on a guaranteed contract, would talk, but it was only nine players. Well, I think you saw with like the Nas and Ant interviews, they almost got cut off after a couple of questions and people had to kind of come up with some stuff on the fly to ask them which is kind of sad if you're if you're showing up for media day man you should have a question prepared for every player so you should have two two or three questions prepared for every player man i mean i i'm not gonna think up questions on the spot but i could have easily prepared three questions for every player going in nobody asked dame about his abdominal situation which he played through an ab injury during the Olympics. It wasn't reported until after the Olympics, but Shams uh, reported it, and nobody asked Dame how that was doing. I'm I'm assuming it's fine, but uh, considering uh, it was something that he had to have evaluated only less than two months ago, you know, and it's our franchise star player, seems like that was maybe a question that should have been asked. And then as far as the other guys, it was kind of disappointing how few questions a guy like Nas got, a guy like Ant got. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I I wish I was there. I wish you were there to ask questions. Mm-hmm. That would have been pretty cool. There would have been some good questions. Uh, I did listen to some player interviews on Rip City Radio uh, because Travis and Chad did some interviews. And... Uh, I just got to give them credit. They give good interviews, and you can tell the players enjoy talking to them. Um, So I got to give them credit where it's due. I listened to the Dame interview, and he said something very insightful in that. I tweeted it out. If you don't follow me, at ToryJonesYT is the Twitter handle. Eric's is at HoopsJock, channel at BlazersUprisedYT. You should definitely be following all three of those on Twitter. I tweeted it out, so some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But for those of you who don't, there was something that... Me and you have said in the past that we'll get to when we're discussing Dame, uh, and it was just kind of cool to hear Dame kind of come out agreeing with uh, the uh, the thoughts we had on a certain subject. So I'm just going to leave that as a teaser to make sure all you guys stay, and we'll get into that when Dame is up. Gee, just about everyone today echoed a lot of the stuff we've been saying for years. It's, sur- <laughs> it's kind of surreal, That's going to be a theme, theme of the day for us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that a lot with Chauncey. So, Eric, you said you have some quotes? Or do you uh, just, I just have... just took notes. Uh, just so, took yeah, notes. Some cool. of them are quotes, so some are just kind of paraphrasing what they say. Paraphrasing, yeah. 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 Uh, so, Eric uh, is well-prepared. So we're just going to go through things. Is there anything else you want to say before we just kick off this breakdown and dive in deep here? No, I think uh, think we should just get right into Olshay here. Yeah, uh, let's get into Olshay. What was your thoughts on Neil Olshay? Um, well, let's just start right off the bat with the hiking question about... Uh, I think he phrased it in if he could expand more on the search process and uh um what what all they did to before they hired uh chauncey and uh let me just say i think the question was fair uh i I knew that was going to come from hiking that was no surprise there um but this is what happens when you didn't just answer the questions to begin with if you would have just answered them at at the introductory press conference and gotten it out of the way, then you can say that. So 
I, I agree that Olshay shouldn't have had to do that today or answer any of those questions. And if Hyken continues this all season, that's going to be super annoying, and he'll probably get his credentials stripped at some point if he keeps doing that. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a problem with the question now. I mean, you know, one-time follow-up type of thing. But, yeah, I I also agree with Olshay that it's not the time or place to answer it either. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even want to t- talk on that because I don't think it's that important. Um, but I don't know. See, I did. I, I did. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my my thought process isn't quite the same as yours. It's like yeah. you know, Olshay's not going to answer that question, right? You know, you one hundred. Well, he's just trying to get points for answering it. Like, it well, that's like- the that's the problem I have with it. Is yeah. he is trying to pander to his base of followers, and you have people on Twitter saying, keep doing the Lord's work or stuff like that. You know what I mean? So he's trying to pander to those people and he knows Olshay isn't going to answer it, but it's almost like he wants it to be a point that Olshay didn't answer it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Saying who's ducking the question. Like there was no, like you a hundred percent, he a hundred percent knew he wasn't getting an answer, but he still asked it for his own reasons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that that part was just, I mean, it's not a big deal, whatever. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not saying it's like he did something horrible or whatever. It just irked me a bit because you know that he knew he wasn't getting an answer on that, but still wanted to make it a point to ask it. Yeah. Like I said, this could have all been shut down because like, what, what would he do if they would have just answered all the questions? I bet you he would have asked again. But then you could say like, then you can say, Sean, dude, we sat there and you gave us all your questions. We answered every single one, man. Let's just move on because, like, we gave he you the opportunity stupid. to ask that question. So, and I, th- I, think, I think that would be way better right now, in my opinion. I think he would have found something that they didn't address <clears throat> enough during, even if yeah. they tried to go through everything about it, he would have, like, found something, nitpick something, like, well, of course, but that then, they didn't expand on enough people. just so he could ask a question related to it. I mean, he looks petty from like people who don't care about that stuff's point of view, like people like you that were annoyed by it. But like, he looks really petty if he's continuing to bring it up oh, after Olshay does. So it would look really bad. I mean, him, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I'm not being fair enough to him. It's just like, I just feel like he's asking a question that he knows he is not going to get the answer to. And he's asking it for his own uh, reasons. So that's the part that was kind of annoying to me. Uh, hopefully he can move on. I can't remember the last time I heard a basketball question from him. Um, I don't know if he realizes he's covering the game of basketball. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I just well, there's here's the thing with the interviews today. There's there wasn't enough basketball related questions. We have a brand new coach who's talking about using these players in in new ways, and there was questions kind of like related to that, but it there were so many opportunities for in-depth basketball questions that would have been super insightful when talking to basketball players. And instead it's like a minute and a half after talking to Nas or, you know, two minutes into talking to Nas and nobody has any more questions. He has said he lost 12 pounds in the off season and feels more explosive. And nobody even went into that. Uh, if I recall correctly. So it's just a sort of situation. About shape now. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, it, I don't know. I, I, I didn't come away from this, like, with, like, oh, the media. But the more I think of it, my feelings are, oh, the media. <laughs> so, and Norm well, shares my sentiment. So, obviously, we haven't gotten anyone else. But 
So Heiken didn't ask Billups about it. Like, what is he scared there or something? Like, I'd have more respect for him if he just came out and yeah. asked Billups. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I it's weird that he only asked Olshay and McGowan. It's just, it's just silly. Like, I don't even really want to talk about <laughs> yeah. this too much uh, more. Um, the, I don't know if you were going to touch on this next, but the best thing. I think we heard from Media Day was that every player and staff mm-hmm. member is vaccinated. Yes. And, and uh, Casey ahead. Holdall um, expanded on this because uh, people were asking, what does basketball staff mean? Because Olshay's answer said 100% of the players and um, and the entire basketball staff okay, are vaccinated. Basketball staff. That's and, important. Uh, yeah. So Holdall said basically everyone at the practice facility. Everyone that works for the team, it was basically required to get a vaccination or the um, premise was that you would likely not have a job if you refuse. So Wait, so that applied to the players too? Like, uh, I don't think that applied to the players. But as we talked about before, I think there's a reason why they targeted certain people and not others in free agency and in trades because... Um, I think they wanted to make sure that everyone on the team was going to do it and they didn't have yeah. any problem child on it. And honestly, at this point, I'd rather have CJ McCollum than Bradley Beal. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that, you know? Like, I'm not in here. There's probably somebody watching this that is unvaccinated. And while I think they should get vaccinated, I'm not here to argue with anybody in chat about, you know vax versus anti-vax or anything that's not what this platform is really for i'll encourage it on twitter and whatnot but overall like just vax vaccinations are good you know i'm not even gonna really get into the how or the why or any of that argument i just think that's something that everybody should do and to hear it from olshay in a question that i felt like when the question was being asked, it was a question about how have all the players been vaccinated. Uh, when it was being asked, I'm like, it would be Olshay-ish to kind of like dance around this question a little bit. You know like what I mean? Several I can... other uh, GMs and owners mm-hmm. did today. There's been a bunch because yeah. uh, almost every other team has somebody who's not vaccinated. So when Olshay came out and said, yes, every player is vaccinated and the whole basketball staff just directly like to the point, yes. It was, I don't know, it kind of excited me. Because here's the thing. Even if you're out there and you're anti-vax, if the it's better for the team. Because if you catch COVID, or even if you don't catch COVID, the rules are different for anti-vax players than they are for vaccinated players. So it's better for the team regardless of how you feel on it just because of the rules put in place by the NBA. So that's just good news for the team. Um, makes there pretty much be, I don't know, like the chance of an outbreak is much lower, especially, you know, Dame's, Dame's around a lot of people. He said all the people around him are vaccinated. It seems like this is something that the team is taking seriously. So I think that was awesome. Uh, and props to Olshay for valuing that and probably targeting certain players that were vaccinated. Because there was all the uproar about Chauncey Billups and his old allegation thing and all that. But O'Shea's consistently done a good job of getting good people into the organization and valuing character. Right? And I 
that that just kind of goes along with it. The fact that we have everybody vaccinated and the fact that he made it a or it sounds like he made it a requirement for the staff and wanted a roster of fully vaccinated players props to him for that well also um we heard, we heard dame say like he just he wanted to get it as soon as it was available and that he wanted to bring his family members and stuff and um yeah just uh whether you're uh for or against the rights to get the shot or if you're forcing it mandating all that stuff it's pretty much guaranteed now that if there is a COVID problem in the NBA this year, it's not going to be because of the Blazers players and staff. And I think that's something to be proud of, whether you agree with it or not, if you don't want to take it personally, whatever, but knowing that our team did everything they could to ensure the safety of the community and for their season to not have any hiccups, um, potentially, I think is uh, is nothing but a positive thing. And if you want to try to paint that as negative, I, I think you're just being miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So uh, that was the best thing I heard all day. Yep. Um, what else? What other tidbits did you get from Olshay's interview? Uh, well, he flat out came, came out and said that him and Dame get along great and that they communicate all the time uh, and that there's never been an issue with that. So... And here's the thing. I had somebody try and tell me, oh, well, what else is he going to say? That's more substantial than anything I've seen to the contrary. Right. I haven't seen Everything anything other than people's own wild speculation to the contrary. And uh, that's another theme of today. Contradictions to what all these, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to, like, call them a name or anything, but, like, the group of reporters who always have some sort of angle or narrative they're trying to spin that seems mostly made up when you look at the facts um like dame requesting a trade uh olsha and jody fighting <laughs> internally mm -hmm. all that stuff the teams for sale jody doesn't care about <laughs> the blazers at all chris we'll mcgowan's we'll to that today yeah we'll get to yeah. that in a minute but like Every single one of these has been shot down by the people who actually know and are in the know. So, like, it's just, I mean, I'll just flat out say it. The people are making up stuff to get clicks, and uh, it's it's kind of pathetic that they have to resort to making stuff up to try and prove their narrative. And that's how you know their, their, uh, their ideas are kind of crap because they don't have anything to base it on if they're not making it up or spinning stuff in a negative way. I mean, I just think it's bias, you know? I don't even know if it's, like, them purposely trying to spin things a certain way or if they're so biased that they end up thinking along with their bias. You know what I mean? It, you had a lot of people that love Terry Stotts. And if you listen to the players today, you would come <laughs> away with the... You would come away thinking, wow, these guys really didn't like Stotts at the end of last season, especially a Yusuf Nurkic, you know, but even Dame and Dame wasn't really able to speak on Chauncey when that whole firestorm was happening, but we'll get into some of his contents or we'll get into some of his comments. The guys seem to appreciate the coaching change and be happy with the coaching change and be encouraged by the coaching change and think it's a good change, right? But you have a lot of people that like Stotts 
or liked Stotts, that report on the team, and they liked Stotts more than they like Olshay. So, I, I don't know. Like, people can disagree with this assessment all they want. It is my personal belief that a lot of media members have been reporting along their bias this summer. And there is so much that I heard today and that I've seen throughout the summer that has confirmed those beliefs. Mm -hmm. Nothing has really spoken to the contrary. And people will mix up the difference and say, see, this national media member thinks we didn't have a great offseason, as if that's what I'm talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. It has never been what I'm talking about. A national media member thinking we had a mediocre offseason is completely different than having a local media member who preferred Stotts compared to Olshay and they don't like Olshay. And they think the problem is with the roster and there is no problems with the coaching. That's a completely different thing than a national media member sleeping on us or thinking we didn't have a great offseason. Well, I mean... More so than any of the themes I've already mentioned, the theme of today was accountability and communication. And Olshay came out and said, you know, Stotts was a great guy. He did a lot of great things, you know, got us to the playoffs eight years in a row, all that kind of stuff. People kind of danced around specifically calling out Stotts. But there's a reason why every single player on that podium today and Olshay and even Billups from his observations of what's been wrong in the past, all basically said that communication is is different now and better and that players know what to expect. They know that they're going to be held accountable and all that kind of stuff. And it's things we've been saying needs to happen for years mm -hmm. and Stotts was not doing. And when you're in the situation with Stotts, like I said, he's a nice guy. He's he's you're never gonna be like mad at him or like fully against him until it goes like super south, like with his relationship with Nurk seems to have uh just gone off the deep end towards the end of last season. But when you're in that situation like Dame and CJ, they're they're not gonna notice how much they've been blinded by this guy not doing these things and not paying attention to the details and not changing things up and not holding them accountable the way they need to be held accountable. And uh, they just based on what everyone said today, they absolutely made the right decision by moving on from Stotts, and he was not the right coach for this team. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, so and what then, other takeaways do you have? So Olshay also said uh, – Dame wants winning to be important to everyone. Um, so whether that's the team, the roster, uh, the coaching staff, the front office, he wants everyone to be in on it. And Olshay said he wouldn't be doing this. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be a GM if he wasn't competitive and didn't want to win. So that's once again, puts to bed the narrative that he's just trying to get fired for some reason. We heard that <laughs> over the summer. Like, that's just so dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. Olshay doesn't care about winning. He just wants to get fired. And Olshay wants to build around CJ. He's trying to make Dame mad or whatever. That's all made up bullcrap, man. And this guy wants to win. He's not trying... He's not not trading CJ just to be like, oh, I don't want to be better or anything. I don't want to make a trade. He's not doing that. He's just the guy wants to win, and he wants to win with Dame. And I, I just don't see any reason to ever say otherwise. 
as long as he's the GM. Yeah. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man, because that was a narrative that we heard this offseason about how he'd rather trade Dame than CJ because CJ was more so his draft pick and stuff like that. And that kind of goes back into the whole uh, bias that I'm talking about where people are trying to craft narratives based on no substance uh, that goes against Olshay. I mean, I am not the the biggest fan of Olshay. I don't think he's some elite GM, but if I feel like things are unfair or make no sense, I'm going to analyze them as such, and I'm going to talk about them as such, and I'm not in a position, I don't think I'm in a position with anybody in this organization where I completely let my bias judge, uh, I, I, sorry, let me rephrase that. I'm not in a position with anybody in this franchise where my bias clouds my judgment, right? So, it was a situation this offseason where you had a lot of narratives like that. Like, he wants to keep CJ for his own ego or for his own pride, man. Quick, I mean, we could talk about this in a little bit, but Quick dropped something in his article today that said that the Blazers were interested in trading CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, essentially, in a one-for-one one swap, which is far less than what the 76ers want for Ben Simmons, but something like that, a guy like Quick who's plugged into the team, I will trust him more than some of the people on Twitter trying to say that Olshay will never trade CJ because his ego won't allow it, man. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just been so many narratives this offseason that I'm so happy to finally like move past, and that's kind of what this stream is, is just a situation where we can finally move past all these ridiculous narratives and look ahead and look forward to basketball. But, I mean, it's just so funny today to kind of um, think about some of the things that were said this summer and then hear some of the stuff that happened. And we'll get to it when we get to Dame, but there he had an interesting quote about mm -hmm. not making a trade just to make a trade, basically. So, um, And <laughs> let's just say this for the record. No one is a Neil Olshay stan, <laughs> okay? <laughs> no one is out here just... I mean... I'm a Dame stan. That's about as close to someone I would ever have bias for. Uh, that guy, um, I mean, I'm 42 years old. That's my favorite Blazer. I never thought a Blazer, you know, later on in my life would ever surpass any of the ones from the late 80s, early 90s teams that I watched growing up and got me to love basketball. Uh, but Dame surpassed all of those guys, like, easily. Yeah. Uh, so... I will go to war for that guy any day. Um, uh, that that guy is amazing. Here's the um, thing, though. You'll still say if he if he's playing terrible defense, you'll still point it out. Yeah, um, you of know? course. Yeah, but like, and you have. But what I'm saying is, I don't set out each day to be like, oh, how can I paint New Olshay in a great light today? Like, what do I have to spin to make him look good today? You know, I just say what's on my mind. I think he gets too much criticism. I think. I, I've said this many times. I would be mad too if I was Olshay after this last season because I would have felt like I made a good move for Rocco and the defense didn't improve. I signed a Derek Jones who the season before was, I think, top five in the league in uh, perimeter three-point defense. Um, you, you make a huge trade for Norman Powell at the deadline. You bring in a really quality backup center in Ennis Kanter, you know? And you do all this stuff, and 
it didn't make a dang bit of difference. We still we played the exact same way. Uh, didn't try to change anything after media day one year ago today, uh, or I guess it wasn't one year ago because the season was later. But you know, you know what I mean. One season ago, mm-hmm. um, Neil Olshay and Terry Stott sat on that podium and said they had to change things. They had to have different schemes. They had to do different things. And Stoss just gave up on that. He didn't do that. He resorted right back to all the all the things that got them to the point where they couldn't get over the hump to begin with. And if I'm Olshay and I feel like I made moves to not be in that position again going forward in the uh, off season of 2020, and I'm sitting there after losing to the first in the first round of the Denver Nuggets, and I'm having to feel deal with questions about how I didn't give Dame enough talent and all this stuff. I'd, I'd be mad too. Like I'd be like, yeah. Dude, what the heck? Stotts didn't do anything. Like I, he was supposed to do all these things and he didn't even try the things he told me, he promised me he'd tell them. So I think going back, I think also if, if he could go back in a time machine, I think he would fire Stotts sooner. And I think we would not be in this position where we are right yeah, now. And I mean, he, he should have, he yeah. should have, and it was a mistake of him not of his not to. I guess that's something to criticize him for. Uh, but I mean, it's just funny how the narrative going into the season. Just oh, they never do anything for Dame. They haven't done enough. But in the past calendar year, Eric, at the forward spots, we have added Robert Covington, Larry Nance Jr., and Norman Powell, and also resigned Norman Powell yeah. on a really good deal. I mean. <laughs> Like, think about, think about a year ago, like, think about a year ago. Yeah. And the next year you guys are adding Larry Nance, Jr., Robert Covington, Norman Powell. I mean, round of applause, right? Like I think in the past year, he has been a really good GM pulled off the trade for Rocco pulled off a, at this point, I think it's a steal of a trade for Norman Powell and then pulled off a great trade with, uh, sending out Derek Jones Jr. in a first round pick for Larry Nance Jr. And it was funny because like three days before that trade happened, I was just sitting there with my fingers crossed like, please, Olshay, just trade Derek Jones Jr. in a first round pick for Larry Nance Jr. I think I said that on a stream. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was just sitting there like, please. And then he did it. I mean, we're going to see. He has basically put us in a position where it's like outside of going out and getting a star, star forward. You know, not like a Ben Simmons star, you know, like Mm -hmm. outside of going out and getting like a Pascal Siakam or better at one of the forward spots, he's done everything that he can do in the past year to give this Dame, CJ, and Nurkic pairing the best chance to win. He has gotten what I think is a great coach, and he has gotten three phenomenal forwards next to them. You know, three phenomenal forwards that aren't, you know, star level. They're no Pascal Siakam, but they're still guys that defend bring energy they're good guys they can all shoot the ball larry nance jr can be that playmaking four that everybody said we were desperate for i mean larry nance jr and robert covington are two of the best defensive forwards in the league in terms of off ball they might be two top five defensive forwards in the league mm-hmm. so i mean larry nance jr was like leading the league in steals before he got hurt last season it's just he's done a phenomenal job with the forwards he's added and it's just funny the narrative going into the season so i'm i'm excited i think he's done a a good job in the past year and people will say otherwise that don't like him and they can have their opinion but my opinion is that he's done done a good job in the past year 
Yeah, I think he's done a phenomenal job since Paul Allen passed away. And uh, whether that's just because the opportunities have presented themselves as the 2016 contracts became expiring or whatever, um, or whether or not that was because he was more free to make basketball decisions without having to have another (laughs) brain also have to decide whether that's a good trade or have his own opinions thrown into the mix or whatever. Um, But I mean, if you just go back, I mean, all the moves he's made since then, uh, whether it be trading for hood that season, um, signing Cantor off the buyout market, I feel like re-signing hood that next summer was the right move. And hood was proving that before he got hurt. And that's, there's no real, I mean, you can't really factor that in to anything. Um, good or bad because Hood was playing amazing before he got hurt shooting 50% yeah. from three and all that kind of stuff. So um, I felt like the white side trade was the right move to get that contract, not only to have a big expiring contract to trade at the deadline, but to have someone that was good enough to get for just Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard without attaching any assets, but also uh, could like help you know, bridge the gap until Nurk gets back. And then unfortunately Nurk has a setback and isn't back by the trade deadline. And so we can't trade Whiteside. And I, I still think that was a misstep there. But for those that think I'm an Olshay stan, I go watch that stream from that trade deadline day. I sat here for like four hours just lacing into Olshay. So like, <laughs> uh, I don't have some sort of vendetta to praise him or, or like, yeah. you know. Uh, but so, and then... Um, it's crazy how that's where things have gotten with us. And yeah. some people don't see the stuff that is, you know, said about us or like, what are you guys talking about? I don't know any of this. I don't relate to this. I don't blame you. If you're like that, maybe you're not on Twitter, but I mean, this is just kind of the, the talk that surrounds us. Um, well, is that somehow yeah. we are old Shay fans. And then, uh, you go into last summer and you get Rocco, you get, uh, Derek Jones, um, you know, you're, you pledge to have different schemes. Um, you get Cantor for cheap. You get Mellow on a minimum contract. I mean, those those were decent moves. Like, we had a solid See, rotation. Yeah. The, the pairing of Mellow and Cantor to me is is one part where I'm like, eh, that, that looking back at last offseason, that I think was a mistake. But who knows who he could have gotten instead. And also with a guy like Terry Stotts, I mean, you gave him a good third string center in Harry Giles, in my opinion, and Stotts didn't utilize him. So, um, and then when Giles did play, the system did not work for him. I feel like Giles would have been a lot better on this year's team, but that's, you know, not a point that I really want to touch on a whole lot today. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's been really good in my opinion the past year. You think he's been really good for longer, and I don't even necessarily disagree with that. It's a situation where a lot of people have just resigned themselves to trade CJ for a star or bust. And mm-hmm. then they view Ben Simmons as a star, so they want Ben Simmons for CJ. And only until that happens, they'll be happy. Like, mm-hmm. they're not going to be happy until CJ is off this roster and we have a Ben Simmons or a Pascal Siakam on our roster. And I would love to trade CJ for Pascal Siakam, but... I still think this roster is better than it gets credit for, and I still think Olshay has done a better job, especially in the past year, than he gets credit for. So that's uh, my my well, one of my takeaways from today. And for those that don't like Olshay, I mean, if he if this team does not have a good year, um, let's say we 
like make the playing game and lose or something and then don't end up making the playoffs or whatever. I think Olshay's gone. So um like I he he's he blamed it on Stotts, which it comes off as an apologist for Olshay because we agree with that. We think Stotts was the problem. Um and then uh you know he brings in Billups over, you know, the part of the fan base wanting you know to go with a a selection that would have made us the first to do it you know that kind of stuff so he brought in his guy right from the beginning he had no other he was never going to consider anyone else so after all this uh it's on him now i mean he's he has his coach he has his roster that he defended um so i he can't kick the can down on the road anymore yeah. so and i think he knows that and i think he's if this isn't going to work out, he for sure will make a big move this season if they have to. And uh, whether that has to happen or not uh, is yet to be seen. But I, I'm like you. I think this roster is still better than anyone really thinks it is. Yeah. Uh, we need to move along here. Yeah. Um, was there any other quotes by him that you really wanted to touch upon? Uh, or well, any other takeaways? Andrew Miller just had a ten dollar dono. Shout out Andrew uh, Miller. What's up, Andrew Miller? Thanks for the ten dollar yeah. dono. Um, He's. Yeah, I'll read. I'll read it. Was that guy trying to get reaction from Rocco about offensive touches? Like, does everyone not know Rocco's role? From his own mouth, he focuses on defense. Just curious about your guys's take. Um, I mean. We're, we'll talk about Rocco. We want to yeah. go through everybody chronological. So I will... Um, we'll bring that back up. Yeah. Well, I'll answer that question when we start talking about Rocco. That'll be the first thing we talk about when we uh, get to Rocco, Andrew. I appreciate your $10 dono, man. Um, Last thing on Neil. Uh, yeah. He says he was never... Or he never will be receptive to moving Dame unless Dame no longer wants to be here. Hey, but he so, would rather trade Dame than CJ. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But people so, make it seem like he's he's trying to get Dame to, to get to that point, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's just that's just kind of ridiculous. Um, you ready to move on to McGowan, which was a surprise appearance today? Yeah. Well, I guess we can go to McGowan next. Technically, it was Billups second. Was it but, Billups next? Yeah. Uh, let's just talk about McGowan because okay. I feel like his yeah. was kind of shorter and part mm-hmm. of the front office. I okay. I didn't really watch his uh, interview. I wasn't too interested in what McGowan had to say. <laughs> so I also got to go take care of something. I'll be back in a minute if you want to jump into McGowan. Okay, so you won't hear any of this then. I will I will listen <laughs> on my phone. All right. All right. All right. So um, Sean Hyken asked him a question about the process of the coach hiring and if he is comfortable with that. And uh, McGowan answer the question by saying that he's been around Chauncey a lot this summer and that he's a really good guy and that uh, he just kept repeating that kind of avoided the question, which I think was fair from both sides. Once again, Um, he did mention that they are going to have full capacity this year and they're trying to do that. Um, Streaming options. He says there'll be updates as of right now, obviously they're on root sports and signed a deal with Fubo TV uh, but he said there will be updates coming soon with more information or more other things that could possibly be streaming uh, services. Uh, he said that Jody is super involved 
She's super competitive. She pushes the front office to be better. She wants to win. Uh, basically everything <laughs> against what people say about Jody. Um, if you listen to us, you you know that that's what we've been telling you guys all along that Jody is actually involved. She does push and want results. And he said that the team is not for sale. She has no plans of selling the team. She has not done anything to inquire about selling the team. She has bought in to this franchise. She wants to own the team as of now. And uh, yeah, so I think that's, that's a very positive thing that he said and uh, kind of shoots down a lot of the, <laughs> rumors that she's just been looking to sell and doesn't care about basketball and all that stuff. And I was on a personal note, I've been to several games. I have the uh, privilege of my mom having season tickets up in the 300 level. And uh, so she lets me go with her to a lot of games and every single game I have ever gone to, she has been there. She has been, actively rooting for the team has been a part of it uh talks to the players um cj and ennis in particular she has uh from what i've seen a really good relationship with and uh yeah i think um i mean just go back and watch some of the videos of her during our western conference finals run she was totally into it and she was like just as as happy in that locker room after beating denver than all the players were, and uh, and I just don't. I've never seen her in a situation where I was like, ah, she's not into this. She looks bored or whatever. She's like always cheering and stuff. So, uh, I I I've never gotten the impression uh, that she's even like not a fan or anything. I think she has become a fan. Maybe she wasn't when she first got the team, but I think she's learned to love basketball and love the Blazers, and I think she wants to win not only. Um, for herself and what that would do for the franchise, but for the legacy of um, her brother and all that. Yeah. I, I just don't get the narrative because it's like people assume that because she wasn't super invested when Paul owned the team, that she can't become super invested once she's the owner right. of the team. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's like, Oh, she wasn't super invested when Paul owned the team. And then she got the team and like, wasn't super invested from day one. So therefore she's not invested and wants to sell a team and, you know, or just doesn't care and yada, yada. Why can't she, you know, she inherits the team. Why can't it be something where it's like, she never really gave it a shot, but now that she owns the team, she like wants to give it a shot as an owner mm -hmm. and see if she can, become emotionally invested in the team. And then when she gave it a shot, it became a situation where she was emotionally invested in the team. Like, why, why is that such a far-fetched thing that, like, some people act like that's not even possible? Because it's mm. like, nobody even gives that a chance for that to be the case. And I don't understand that part of it. People are saying, uh, so Aaron Man says she's not into it, like Steve Ballmer into it. <laughs> and <laughs> David says until Jody gets a fine like Cuban, she's not invested and doesn't care. Well, like... Those guys are crazy over the top. Like, there's not that many yeah. owners that are like those two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, down on I the mean, court, they're, they're the outliers. The stuff. Yeah. They're the outliers, not the rule. <laughs> you know? And I don't think I'd want Jody to act like Steven <laughs> Ballmer, man. Or I don't know if I'd want her to be as outspoken as Mark Cuban. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those guys. You know? Right. But they're, they're unique personalities. All right? And... 
I don't know. I, I, those are probably just jokes, but they're kind of funny jokes because now I'm imagining Jody Allen acting like Steve Ballmer courtside. But uh, I mean, let's be honest. I would probably act like Steve Ballmer courtside. Oh yeah. Um, I would be a, I would be a phenomenal owner though, in my opinion. Uh, but well, you would meddle. I would too. I mean, it'd be so hard not to. See, but we, I feel like we'd meddle in a good way. You know, yeah, we'd well, hire a GM. <laughs> see, like, see, like, I would hire you as a GM. Like, here's the thing: if I was an owner and you were my GM, I'm not saying I would hire you as a GM, like, realistically, but somebody that thinks about basketball the way you do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I you could you would be my co-owner or okay. not my co-owner. You'd be you'd be you'd oversee. Tell me, oversee things, man. I mean, there are a lot of things. Like, see, here's the thing is people are like, you guys should be GM. Or, yeah, yeah. Because we know the CBA super well and we know players super well. But there's a lot more that goes into being a GM of a team that people don't realize. Where it's just whole run in the operations uh, part of it. And there's just a lot of stuff to deal with. Um, but, like, if I was the owner and I meddled, but I had somebody that like you that thought about the way, thought about the game the way you do, Eric, then I think it would be fine. You know what I mean? Because we agree enough where it wouldn't be a problem. And we're like, if you disagreed with me, I would trust you and be like, okay, here you don't like this player for these reasons. Like, you know what I mean? It would be a productive thing, not a clashing thing. So I feel like there's some owners that can meddle with their GM. As long as they have the right GM owner pairing, it can work and it can actually be better. And then there's some owners that meddle and don't have the right GM. It just ends up being a clash. How would you get along with Daryl Morey? (laughs) I wouldn't hire Daryl Morey. <laughs> There's, yeah. Uh, See, I'd be like, dude, we gotta trade Ben Simmons now. We have to get something. He doesn't want to be here. This is getting worse by the day. And he would probably sit there and say to me, you know how bad I'll look if I trade Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum? I would look horrible. That would be a stain on my legacy. So uh, I don't I don't agree. If we have if you're making me trade Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum, I'm going to quit. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. That might be far fetched, but I could see that being the thought process of a guy like a Daryl Morey at this point. Um, So I would not want a guy like that as my GM. Well, you bring up an interesting point because he would quit on the spot if you forced him to make a move that he didn't want to move, right? Yeah. He's the type of guy that would, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When he ruins a franchise like Houston by trading Chris Paul and picks for Russell Westbrook, uh, the narrative is that he was forced by his owner to make that trade or whatever. When that's not, Maury would have quit on the spot if that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So... (sighs) Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Uh, should have never so, traded Chris Paul for, for him, man. Oh my goodness, uh, it just looks worse and worse by the year. Because yeah, Chris Paul had a good year for OKC, and then last year what he did for Phoenix, man. I mm. mean, I don't think Russell Westbrook is going to have a Chris Paul type of effect on the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's just hope not. Uh, put that out there right now. Yeah, I hope not. Um, so yeah, I w- wouldn't want a guy like that. Um, how do we even get here? I don't know. But the only other <laughs> oh, we were talking about the team for sale or whatever, and then. You said oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but anyways, uh, one more thing about Chris McGowan. He was asked about jerseys, mm-hmm. and he said they were going to do a mixtape jersey this year, which uh, means, uh, like, you think mixtape, like, uh, of songs and stuff, but he says it's going to have elements from a bunch of past jerseys all mixed into one jersey. 
So interested it's to Christian see. Christian here, I want to see Christian's mock up of that <laughs> of that idea. Um, see, yeah, I have no idea what get. that'll look like, but yeah. So is that like so like retro jerseys combined with like more modern aspects of jerseys, or like a mixtape of like different city jerseys from your past? Years I'm past, guessing it'll be like. Like the Portland is in a font from one of the past jerseys, and then it the has num- to be a lowercase font. The numbers are are from a different jersey, like, and then the stripes maybe are from like one jersey, but there's maybe some on the sides from a different jersey. I don't know. I, I think you could do different things with it, but the Ben Simmons jersey swap that Chris did, he also like came up with a jersey mock up that was like the more modern slash and it was lowercase uh text maybe they hired chris to do it i don't know they should hire chris to do it i mean honestly (laughs) but uh i don't know what that's gonna look like see i was thinking like like music wise Mm -hmm. and then i was thinking like the horrible jerseys where every letter is a different font from something else Uh. (laughs) just as long as it's not that i'm cool (laughs) with it like the Cleveland jerseys, isn't it? Isn't Miami doing that this year too? Miami's jerseys this year look horrible because I think they're doing the same thing. And it's funny because Miami always had the best, and now I think they probably have the worst next season. Um, but yeah, the Cleveland—that's <laughs> what it looked like too. You know when people type and they make fun of yeah. what you or somebody else is saying, like and they'll sarcastic. do like the different. Yeah. yeah, they'll do the different like lowercase and uppercase letters. <laughs> that's what Cleveland's jersey looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, just as long as it's not that, I'm cool with it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll talk about it on Blazers Uprise Live when it comes out. I assume it will come out before the season, right? Normally they get leaked. Yeah, right around now. Yeah. So we should see probably any day now, but... He, he made it seem like they ha- were going to have some sort of cool way to announce it like they have in the past, in the coming days, yeah. Mixtape jersey. I mean, there's <laughs> only there's not that many different things they can do. Because it's like, if you do the vertical, you know how they used to have the vertical lettering? If you do that, you can't have a slash? Unless that's what they're doing. They're going to have, like, the vertical text, but then they're also going to have a slash, which makes absolutely no sense, and I don't see how you could make that look good. What but if, that would be a mix-up. What if it said, like, Rip City, but the P had Portland going down? I don't know how you would do that. <laughs> that would be horrible. I know. I'm just thinking of, like, how you would make that look cool. But... And it'd just be, like, a giant T. Yeah. <laughs> and then the numbers are, like, if it's a double-digit number, there's one on this side. <laughs> yeah, that'd oh be my God. <laughs> Thank God you're not in charge. No, I'm not saying I want this. I'm just like wondering how they... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Do you guys have any ideas? Let me know in chat. Uh... Uh, you're describing a hostage letter jersey. <laughs> like like someone cutting different letters out of a magazine to so they don't like use their own handwriting or <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you guys have any ideas on how that might look like, uh, be my guest and share it in chat. But I think, um, actually, let me see if I can toss the picture up here. Because I think I have the, uh, yeah, I don't know where it is. Um, believe it or not, I have made some cool jerseys in past versions of 2k when i used to play oh you used to do the jersey creator yeah 
that's pretty yeah. that's pretty cool you can actually do pretty much anything with those so i know a lot of people like recreate uh college jerseys and whatnot but huh, i can't find the krish oh man i can't find the krish thing but if you look at my ben simmons thumbnail on the last blazers surprise live the jersey he's wearing that's kind of what i'm thinking of might be the case um my poster says do a vertical rip city with the stripes going i guess between rip and city (laughs) (laughs) you can't do vertical text with the the slash you could just do rip city vertical that might be kind of cool instead of portland yeah but would it be in lowercase font i don't know there's like nothing there's nothing like special about that though you know what i mean like i don't know it Sled, sled man, you laugh, but I've always been in favor of them doing a PDX carpet jersey. I think that would be cool. I just, would like just for it one. if it was like a red jersey with like the PDX carpet design, like in black, mm, like or something like that. Like, don't just go with like the straight green with all the weird colors. Like that'd be too much. But if you did <laughs> yeah, it, that'd be fun. I mean, it's just for one year, right? <laughs> Dude, we would get roasted. Uh, we would have the. Gosh, I you would want to. You would want to watch games with them wearing a bright green jersey with like a bunch of random little colors on it. Yeah, I don't like. Think okay, for bad. the first one or two times, it might be cool, but like at the end of the season, you would be. I feel like you'd be so annoyed by them. At least I would. Maybe I should just speak for myself. I it depends on if they're like, because I really like the red jerseys from a couple with the vertical uh, Portland on it, but we lost like every game that <laughs> one season with them. So it's like, stop wearing these jerseys. So maybe it just depends on how we do them. Dude, you know what would be cool though is if they did come out with a PDX carpet jersey, you could stylize the court. You could have an alternate court mm-hmm. and stylize it so that you know, I don't think they would allow you to paint it green. The paint, <laughs> so, the paint is like looks like the PDX carpet. The paint <laughs> looks like the PDX carpet. That'd be awesome, actually. That I, I'm all for this, dude. That'd be cool. Well, what would the perimeter of it be? I don't know. Would the perimeter of it be like PDX carpet? Because I feel like that'd be too much. If the perimeter was like black, maybe, and the paint was like green PDX carpet, that could look sick. I feel like it'd be too much. Yeah. <laughs> like ESPN would tell the NBA, no, nah, you guys can't do this because we <laughs> will lose viewership if you guys have that as your court. Um, man, I'm giving it I don't think Chris is watching it, man, but Chris is so good with mock-ups. I want to see what this would look yeah. like because I know he could make it look like realistic like that. Um, but, like, if it was, like, you know how they'll have the, like, the Denver Nuggets court had this where they'll have, like, the different toned wood and there will be, like, it was, like, the hammer things or whatever it was for yeah. Denver. Um, the pickaxe-looking things that would be, like, a different shade of wood in the court. Like, you could do the PDX carpet design in, like, a slightly different shade of wood so that you could see it, but it wasn't like too much. You could do that in the wood of the court to accompany the Jersey. And we've never done like an alternate court to accompany our jerseys. Like some other teams have done. And Mm. I always think that's really cool. Like having a second court to accompany a Jersey like that. So, I mean, I'm surprised I haven't done that yet because those would absolutely sell. I feel like in the coming years they're going to do that. There's so many things they could do because they haven't done like a rose, the roses, yeah, si- like a rose city type of design. Yeah, um, they could. They have so much to work with, actually. 
Here's here's the thing. I don't think they changed this year's court since we're talking about courts. I'm happy about that because I love the court they had last year. I'm going to – I just looked up um, the PDX carpet, and I'm going to post a link in chat to – uh, Do people <clears throat> not know what it looks like? No, there's a there was a blazer version. Oh, is it the green? No, it's uh, black and red and gray. All right, let's see this. It's not bad. Yeah. Is there a way I can put this up on? Uh, let me. I'll try and put. I'll put this up on stream. Pinwheel carpet. That's what I'll name it. Yeah, let me. This is by yeah, Rain Ray okay. on Pin Pinterest. So, or Pin Pinterest. I obviously don't use Pinterest. I just call it Pin it pin interest um so shout out to them for this design let me throw it up on screen here uh let's yeah get rid of the little logos but just like i was more looking at the color scheme and stuff yeah see like i feel like the pinwheels are unnecessary like if you just did it the squares and you did them white or whatever see that would look sick on a black jersey yeah that would look at see and like do something like that or maybe Sorry, just put, like, one little pinwheel way. right in the middle. Yeah. I mean, see, like, but here's the thing. is like, you don't have to even do that much with it. Just keep it simple. Keep the same exact design and just change the colors on it to match mm-hmm. the blazers. Yeah. Like, that'd be dope. And then you have PDX as the, like, instead of blazers or Portland or Rip City, yeah. you have PDX. Like it's such... PHX, yeah. It is such a simple and easy and genius marketing thing. I'm so surprised they haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what they have this year. But they, they need to do that one year because I'm absolutely buying a jersey if it's that. And then you just make the court to accompany it. Easy. It's it's so easy. It's right there for them, Eric. I love the plaid ones too, but you couldn't even tell they were plaid watching on TV. Like, um, I felt like they should have gone all out with the plaid or even make it more like a lumberjack black and red plaid versus black and gray or whatever it was i like the subtlety i think it might have been a little too subtle but i like (laughs) Mm -hmm. the subtlety um see i I like here's the thing is i like stuff that is like an homage to something yeah but is not so striking that it like looks bad on tv or looks wrong you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying the thing is, is like the plaid jerseys, you couldn't even tell they were plaid on TV. So I would like yeah. watching it on TV to be like, oh, those are plaid jerseys, but not have it like so drastically plaid that it was like, what in the world is that monstrosity? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just thinking of how other fans might think of it. So that's the thing with like changing the colors on the PDX carpet thing. I mean, it might look a little weird, but I don't know. I think it would look dope. Um, I I would do that with that sort of design that we just put up on stream the green is too too much yeah do you uh so did you like last year's court do you like last year's court yeah it was okay i never had a problem with it the oregon jerseys are okay um they grew on me as the season went on yeah i don't i don't think they were horrible or anything um yeah I would just prefer. I didn't really like the gray ones. They're just too blah. The gray what? The I forgot which what they were. Oh, called, the jerseys. The, they were. See, 
they were like bl- all plain, you know, gray and white. Yeah, I didn't mind that as a little like change of pace. I don't mm. know. See, like that, I didn't think aesthetically looked bad. So, um, yeah, I you love the throwback court. I did not enjoy that. Like I thought it was cool, but like as the season went on, I didn't. I don't know. I got tired of that court, and now when I watch highlights back with that court, I just think it looks. Eh. Mm. I felt like that should have been an alternate court on like throwback jersey nights to yeah. mesh with the throwback jerseys. Because I felt like at first that court was really cool, and then it just grew. I don't know. Aesthetically, I didn't enjoy it at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but last year's court, I love just the the stripes, the like Blazers types of stripes on either end, and the different colors on either end of the court. I think just is fresh. Anyway, we we got super sidetracked. This is yeah. immediate. <laughs> but uh, we're an hour. Oh, Chauncey in. Billups. Chauncey Billups. Let's get to Chauncey. Let's roll through these. Uh, I mean, he said he must have said accountability like a hundred times, right? Uh, uh, that was definitely the word of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to win. They got to commit to defense. Um, they need to be a better passing team and better ball movement team. And this was a quote from him. When you're gifted like Damon CJ, you can score on double teams and be effective that way. But what happens is you become predictable. Yep. And the defense, how many times did we say that over the last two years, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's too predictable. And I wish he said, like, it's harder to win in the playoffs if you're predictable well, he, offensively. He did, he did basically say that. He said that... You can score that way, right? Yeah. But then, like, the other guys don't get involved, and then the the defense knows what you're going to do. You're going to try to shoot anyway, even <laughs> though you're being double teamed, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, like, and it just it doesn't work. Like, you can't sustain it long enough, and that's exactly what we've been trying to say. Like, these tough shots, Damon CJ can win any game by themselves, basically, going off. Or Dame can get, score fifty five and still lose, you know. Like, yeah, uh, it, it doesn't matter if 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 you're not playing as a team, and if you the, the defense can just force you into trying to do that every game, it's going to work out for the other team in the playoffs more often than not. Yeah, and here I'm gonna let's talk about Dame next. I know the next guy after that was mm-hmm. Nance, but let's just talk about Dame next because I want to tie in uh, something that Dame said today into that. The thing that I teased at the start of the show kind of fits in with that quote from Chauncey in a sort of way. And basically Dame was on rip city radio six twenty with Travis and Chad. And he said that part of what can help him defensively is it comes on the offensive end. And he basically admitted that, in its truth, and we could all see it, he had to expand. He had to expend so much energy running the offense last year and making everything happen for the offense last year. And he has that capability. But when teams are trapping you and game planning for you, making it hard on you, and you have to basically make everything happen out of that, it wears you down, and you don't have as much energy for the defensive end. And Dame came out and said that today. That was also something that we said last year, Eric, which when I heard it, I'm like, this is what we've been saying. If it's a situation where, you know, maybe Dame doesn't even score less, but he's getting his buckets where he's spotting up or maybe like running off a screen and catch and shoot, or he can, you know, the defense is shifted because we're moving the ball and he's able to catch the ball and just attack a gap and make something happen like that. That 
requires a lot less energy than what Dame had to do last year for our offense. It requires a lot less energy than Dame having to go against double teams and split the double team and make something happen going downhill or, you know, run pick and roll constantly, ISO constantly, and just bust his butt just to try and make something happen offensively. People will just point to our offensive rating and say, oh, well, we're such a great offense, but I, I think the offensive and the moving the ball more offensively might not improve our offensive rating. We still might be the third best team in the league offensively or whatever, but I actually think it will help our defense more because Mm -hmm. if Dames has more energy for the defensive end, he will be a better defender. Same thing goes for CJ, right? It's as much about taking responsibility out of those guys' hands, making it easier for Dame and CJ by utilizing other guys, by utilizing Nurkic's playmaking more, by utilizing Larry Nance Jr.'s playmaking more, by having Norman Powell be more of a playmaker. Therefore, saving energy and having them be better defenders because they have more energy for that end of the court. Dame basically said that today, and I thought that was huge, and it was really cool because that's something that we said all year last year. Yep, and uh, there's definitely more to that coming up. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a good change with the offense man that's I just wanted to kind of tie it back to Chauncey with Chauncey talking about us needing to be a better defensive team and a better passing team and he did touch upon one of those ways to accomplish that and that's by paint touches and he's not just talking about post ups he's talking about getting the ball into the paint and creating opportunities and everyone freaked out you know and like oh, Chauncey's not going to be able to fit the modern game because he's saying not to shoot threes or whatever. No, he put that to bed today as well. Uh, mm. he, he said it's about the type of threes you get, right? And getting into the paint, he says, almost always converges the defense to get closer in. And we see this with CJ pretty much every time he drives. The whole defense, like, collapses, right? And... uh what does that do? That opens up the corners for shooting. And he also mentions it opens up uh, lob targets as well underneath the basket. And the more you can get into the paint, whether it's from post-ups or from penetration, the more you can get better shots because of that. Not just Damon CJ having to get in the paint and get to the hoop and score every time. It's it's the way they do it. And it doesn't have to be Damon CJ to get in the paint. It can be those other guys whether it's Nance or Nurk on a short roll or, um, you know, even just Norm dribbling down. And uh, I, I really like pretty much everything Chauncey's ever said since he's became coach of this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's the thing. Here's a general general rule. The closer the ball is to the hoop, the more of a threat it is and the more def- the more the defense has to react. Now, that doesn't apply to like long twos versus threes. You're more of a threat from a three-point line because it's worth more. But right. the ball is the most dangerous if it's in somebody's hands in the paint, right? Especially if they have an opportunity to score, right? If uh, they're a threat to really convert at the rim. Because in order to stop that threat, the defense has to react to it. It has to collapse. It has to rotate. It has to help. And that'll open up better threes passing out of that while the defense is shifting and rotating to the rim or collapsing to the interior and worried about that. You'll be able to generate higher quality threes than Dame shooting 30 footers while being trapped off a screen. 
I know he can make them, and it's really cool when he does, but if we're sitting here talking about, okay, we want this team to be as competitive as possible and be a contender and win a championship, I 100% agree with Chauncey. Paint touches is a good thing, and everybody just assumes post-touches, right? But it can come from somebody catching the ball. You know, maybe we've whipped the ball around and the defense is rotating, and somebody catches the ball and their defender is kind of off to the side because they're rotating, and we just attack that gap and get downhill into the paint and make the defense collapse and then kick out, right? Or it could come off a backdoor cut, right? Somebody cuts backdoor, and we, we had some of those last year. I want to see more of them this year, uh, especially with Nurkic throwing the pass. If you have Dame cutting backdoor and beating his guy off a backdoor cut and they have to rotate to him, he's kicking out to somebody because somebody's being left. So that's a situation that can happen. It can happen just off face cuts. It doesn't even have to be a backdoor cut. It can be a back screen. It can be all sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. People just think post-ups when you hear paint touches. That's not the case. You can get it in a variety of ways. And manufacturing more paint touches for this team will lead to higher quality threes and should hopefully lead to higher quality twos as well if it's coming in situations where it's not just giving it to one guy and him posting up one-on-one or attacking from the perimeter one-on-one where if we're moving players and we're moving the ball, we're able to utilize that to help manufacture higher quality inside looks as well. That just is going to result in higher quality shots. It's going to be harder to guard in the playoffs. So I absolutely love hearing that about paint touches. Well, this kind of ties into what he said about Nurk too, because he basically said Nurk got such few post touches that when he did get the ball and it was expected to score, he rushed his shot and that affects his finishing, right? Because he doesn't know when he's ever going to get another post touch again. But if you're running the offense through him, and it's designed that way to run the offense through him, then he can take his time, he can get a good shot if it's there, or he can pass out knowing that the ball might come back to him in the post later in the possession or you know a couple possessions down the road. It's not like he's not going to get a chance to pass the ball again for several possessions. So I, I think just what he said about that is playing inside out and and giving the ball to Nurk to make plays for others, but also that he's good enough if he just slows down and gets um, settled. Because a lot of the times we know when he gets in trouble with finishing, it's because he rushes it and flips it up or doesn't get square. The times where he does his little spin move towards the baseline and gets completely square to the basket and uses his body to shield the defender and lay it off the backboard, he's almost unstoppable in those situations. When he has his little, um, he's not great with his jump hooks, but when he takes his time and it, he gets the right positioning and seals his guy in the proper way, and, and get, those ones are almost automatic. So I, I like that he has specific ways for him to increase his efficiency inside, but also play off of that and let him play make and do his thing. And he described Nurk's skills as beautiful. <laughs> and I really yeah. like that, too. <laughs> I mean, here, okay, here's the first area where I'm going to question Chauncey this year, officially on the record. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure Nurkic is a good enough post-up threat, even if he takes his time, to justify giving him a ton of low-post touches. If our half-court offense is really good when we move the ball and have players cutting and running things that way, right? So my part is like, okay, sure, let's try it and let's give him enough touches where he feels like he can make the most out of them. But if it's something that is not as efficient or as effective as 
um, us doing other stuff, I don't want to over rely on it. And I don't want it to be something that we're not willing to move off of because you sound very confident in his post touches. So does Chauncey. I am not quite as confident in Nurkic being in the post. I am confident in Nurkic as a player. I think this year, three point shot is going to take a jump and I love his passing ability. Right. Um, and if it's a situation where, you know, it does, it's not even a situation where he has to, like, score super efficiently. If we have good motion off ball when Nurkic is posting up and we're manufacturing good shots that way, then, like, yeah, I'm absolutely down for that. And Nurkic well, that's is getting what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's just a situation where it's like, if Nurkic isn't doing the best job in that situation... Because we've seen stretches in the past where he hasn't done the best job as a post scorer. Now we haven't seen him much as a post playmaker because everybody stands around. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see that difference. And that's why I'd absolutely try it. It's just a situation where it's like, I'm not as confident. I'm not saying it won't work. I'm just not as confident that it will absolutely work. So it's sort of something where it's like, if it doesn't, if it's not super efficient, even if he's passing out of that, how does he feel when we go away from it? You know, if, if it's not working out quite like how we expected. You know what I mean? And I think that would be the first test for him and Chauncey's relationship as a player-coach duo. Um, that is just the the situation that I'll be watching. Because I think he has the potential to be able to score efficiently and play make well out of it. I just don't 100% trust that yet. See, I got something completely different out of this whole thing. So, interesting. But... Where do you you disagree? I I feel like Chauncey doesn't want just straight post-touches where it's just like, okay, Nurk makes something happen. I think he wants to design the offense around getting him the ball in a position where he can dump it off to a cutter on those plays or if he feels like he has an advantage, take it it to the basket and score. Um, But, like, I feel like they're going to run an offense around getting him inside, and that's how they're going to play inside out. And I love playing inside out, so I might be a little I mean, biased, but uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think the offense should be designed around any one particular player. So, like as that I mean, being like Zeller, a, Nance, all those guys can do that same role. Oh so yeah, it's, it's not yeah. like it's just, it's just about nerd. Yeah, like that integrated within the offense and having that be a big part of the offense, I'm cool with. Um, maybe this is just semantics, but like I don't want the offense to be well, based you know, around an individual player. You make it um, sound like we're going to do like the Carmelo Anthony ISO post-ups. Yeah, no, I know. I know the post-ups. I know the post-ups will be a lot higher quality because instead of everybody standing around, we will have better movement off of it. And Nurkic is a guy who's a more willing passer than Melo is. So, um, and he's more efficient inside the arc than Melo is. So yeah, I know it's different. I just, I don't know, man. It's, but, I mean, Chauncey also, also mentioned how he's going to use them in the short roll and at the top of the key as a high yeah, post so, uh, elbow passer as well. It's not like they're designing the whole offense around him. No, I know, I know. Like, I, I think that should be a part of the offense. Just, it kind of gives me, it gives me a little bit of pause where you're like, yeah, the offense is going to be based around that. Um, just because in the past few years we've had so much of the offense based around individual players. I just love the idea of having an offense that's not based around anybody doing anything that's versatile enough that um, it does a bunch of different things and everything is just a contributory part to the offense as a whole. Um, So that's the thing is like, I just, I don't want to over rely on any one thing. So when it's like, Oh, Nurkic 
felt like he didn't get enough post touches and therefore he rushed his shot or wouldn't pass out or, you know, didn't do well because he didn't get enough post touches. I just don't want it to be something where we try and make that better but end up over-relying on it and then he's not super, he's not as efficient as a post playmaker or a post scorer as he is, you know, on the short roll or playing from the elbow or playing as a part of a free-flowing offense that's a little bit more perimeter-based. But based off everything that was said today, it seems like even even Nurk, well, we'll get to that, but like all the guys said, if it's like that, they will accept if Chauncey says, like, this isn't working, we're going to try something else, that he's he's fine with that because at least he tried to do that. But I, I still think that Nurk isn't concerned about having post touches or where he gets the ball as long as he's more involved in the offense as a whole and that'll keep yeah. him happy. So I don't, yeah, I don't see, think it's... I don't think it would cause an issue. It's just something that, you know, I'm kind of thinking about right now. And I'm just, I'm just questioning how that plays out if he's not super good. Because it's like Chauncey's hyped him up all summer long, which he absolutely should. I have nothing wrong with anything that Chauncey said. So I don't want anybody to take it like this. I just, if it's a situation where, I don't know, like Nurk gets fewer post touches. I just don't want it to be a situation where Nurk gets discouraged or feels like his role is being reduced or something. Um... So, I don't know. We'll we'll see on that. Is I'm not meaning for this to be like a negative outlook but, at all. I'm just kind of curious about the whole situation on it. My my feelings are we want a diverse offense, right? So we we want as many wrinkles as possible. So Yeah, and if we have, absolutely should if, be a wrinkle. If the defense has no idea if we're going to run Nurk through the post or the high post or the pick and roll or if we're going to ISO Dame or CJ a certain player or whatever, like, I, I just feel like as many different wrinkles as you can have as possible. I don't think Nurk's going to complain if he gets, like, yeah. five post touches one game and, like, two the next game. Whatever. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just the whole, like, he's he'll be better in the post if he gets more touches down there. That's the kind of part that I'm talking about, which is kind of, well, my takeaway wasn't from was from it is that he... Only got a few post touches, so he struggled with them, so he needs more. No, he was saying that... I mean, he said this out loud. He said he rushed his shots in the post when he got post touches because they were so infrequent. Not that he... Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, so I I just don't want it to be a situation where they overlie on anything. That's my takeaway. Anyway, uh, what else did Chauncey say? That uh, Well, one thing he did say about Nurk, too, is that when you lose, you should be frustrated. So he had no problems yeah. with the way he I reacted. mean, that's just competitive attitude. Yep. And too many people, I don't know if they haven't played sports or what, but it's like they're holding him being frustrated after their season ends against him. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, everything he was saying in that press conference after Game 6 was fact. Too. So it's not like he was just saying anything. So I thought that was completely ridiculous the way people acted about that press conference. And he absolutely should have been frustrated like every fan was. Yeah. Um, so probably the quote of the day from Billups in particular was about uh, his um, his philosophy is put an address on it is what he said. And for those that don't know what that means is that's part of being accountable is if someone messes up, you say, 
dude, you messed up. You call him out. And uh, once again, for those who've watched us for a while, um, both Tori and I have talked about watching film. And that's how you get better is when you don't want to get called out in film the next day. So you don't, you're not going to fall asleep off ball. And if you do, you're thinking about that all night. Oh man, tomorrow in film study, they're going to, they're going to rail me so hard for falling asleep off ball. That one play or, you know, not, not boxing out on a key moment on a free throw or something, you know, something like that. You should get called out. That's how you learn. And to, it just seems like we have so many examples of they, them saying they watch film and all this stuff, but they don't really watch it the right way for some reason. Like I don't understand how they could have so many times where it seems like they didn't watch film and didn't learn from mistakes that happened over and over and over again throughout the season. And I just, I love this from Billups. Um, and the thing is, if you have that mindset like, oh man, I don't want to get called out, that's an effective way to not do it anymore because, yes, at, when you first start out, you're consciously thinking like, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. But throughout the season, like after a few weeks of doing that, you're going to be like just doing it naturally, right? <laughs> and then you're going to react to things the way you should react to them, the way the coach wants you to react to them because you practice that all the time and you develop that good habit of not doing the wrong thing and not wanting to get called out in practice. And so um, I, I love this. I, I love that they're going to call people out and this is what should have happened years ago under Stutz. Yeah. Yeah. I take it more as like, I don't know. I don't think that Dame and CJ or any of these guys – want to get you know give up defensive breakdowns Mm -hmm. i i think it's a situation where these guys all want to win they don't like making a defensive mistake i almost think the accountability is something that will force them to understand what they're doing wrong because i think that was kind of a big issue is they didn't really understand what they were doing wrong because they weren't being held accountable enough and talked and showed it enough uh outside of or just in general, you know, they, I can't say because I wasn't there, but it seems like they didn't watch enough film defensively and they didn't really focus on what was giving them trouble. And then of course the schemes were bad. So I almost think defensive accountability and film sessions and whatnot will go a long way in terms of helping these players prioritize fixing what they're actually doing wrong. Um, by first helping them understand what they're doing wrong. And then second kind of, reinforcing better habits because this there's players on this team that have some bad defensive habits last year a lot of players would overhelp or be out of position defensively and having some added accountability uh and just really focusing on stuff like that in film sessions in practice sessions will reinforce it for guys and drill it into their heads where they need to be, what they need to be doing, uh, what mistakes they need to fix, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And as Trevin points out, 
you're forgetting they have that one defensive practice Tori. don't forget about that see that's why i think it's a that's why i think it's been an issue is because they'll have like a defensive practice which when you're the second to last defensive team and offensively you're not even running anything and you're the second best offense then having one defensive only practice a season shouldn't be like some big accomplishment that's a bad well, thing if you're only having uh, one defensive only practice. But Stotts had it, and it was like some big deal. Like, yeah, they really focused on defense yesterday. This is a first. That's a, oh, well, that's bad. Okay, so if you're wrong, let's just play devil's advocate. And they had been holding players accountable and calling them out and film and doing all the right things, right? Why did every player say like they're looking forward to actually having that happen this year? <laughs> exactly. So like, like so, that's a so big that thing from that you, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a big thing from these uh, interviews today. Yes. A big thing that got reinforced. Like I felt like a lot of things we said last year got reinforced by what was said today, and that was one of them because these players were like excited about. Oh yeah, we're going to be held accountable, and everybody on the roster is going to be held accountable. Um, and it's like. People laughed at us when we said there's an accountability issue with this team. And I was sitting here like everything that I criticized Stotts for outside of that was stuff that I could see on the court. But I also criticized Stotts for a seeming a lack of accountability. And I had to say, like, I'm not there, so I don't know for sure. But it seems like these guys are not being held accountable. And today, I I think that was proven as fact, Eric. I think you're right, man. Because if they were being held accountable, then why was that the word of the day today? Yeah. Why did everyone say they're open to finally having that happen? I mean, oh. maybe it's just Mellow's gone, so now they can be. I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, anything else from Chauncey? Because I uh, want to tie my thoughts yeah, on Mellow well, right now to the next guy. Well, he also said to do it with respect. Uh, he said he's not going to be like a jerk about it. He's going to be respectful. And I think we all know he's going to command the players' respect. I don't think there's any yeah. doubt. Like, he, that's the least thing I'm worried about is the players yeah. not respecting him. He's going to be a leader. Plain simple. Like, good leaders know how to respectfully hold yep. people accountable. So, um, lets his guy know, he lets his guys know they have to be better, but puts others on notice as well. That, um, as Liam points out in chat, uh, it's the Spurs way. Like, that's. Um, Tim Duncan uh, Pop famously went to him and said look I am going to have to yell at you and treat you like every player and if you don't like that then you're not going to work out here or whatever and Duncan was like bring it like I want all the criticism you can give me because that's what makes me a better player and that's why I think teams like that succeed or end up being successful for you know what 15 years 20 years because those type of teams, they they hold themselves accountable eventually. And uh, Dame and CJ might have a little bit of a learning curve trying to get back to that mode, right? But uh, it, it's just a, a situation where that breeds it throughout the whole organization. And then yeah. before you know it, everyone is on the same page and they all hold themselves accountable. And then you don't even hold, have to hold them accountable because they hold themselves to a higher standard than even you want of them. Yep. Uh, anything else you had on Chauncey? Uh, he's, he said that uh, the players... We're, we're, yeah, go ahead. The players have to uh, accept coaching if they want to be a good player and teammate, uh, which I agree with. Yep. And then he... Uh, that won't be an issue. Communication is uh, the key to, for him. He says he 
talk to every single player individually. He finds out who they want to be as a player, lets them know if that's realistic or not, and gives them, you know, feedback and what he expects of them. Uh, yeah. Just awesome. And then the final thing from Billups that we have to touch on, um, he was asked if this team is a championship contender or if that's like a bad word <laughs> or something. And he says, we always shoot for a championship. Uh, he said, you need luck. Uh, talked about last year uh, being a war of attrition <laughs> for a lot of teams that got hurt and, um, you know, anything could happen once, you know, certain teams got hurt or had players go down. But he specifically mentioned the Phoenix Suns. And that was awesome to hear from him because he said they all bought into Monty's system. Uh, no one thought going into last year that they were going to contend for a championship or be in the finals. Uh, even a lot of diehard Suns fans were just hoping to uh, make the playoffs or, you know, be in the middle of the pack in the West or whatever. So uh, that's something that absolutely I agree with him. We've talked about this many times. Uh, we can be this year's version of Phoenix, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think it would be closer to this year's version of Utah. Hopefully yeah. Phoenix in the playoffs, Utah in the regular season. But Utah <laughs> yeah. was a team that had a lot of, you know, they didn't go out and make a splash at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they just brought back their same guys. And Mike Conley was healthier and uh, was better than he was the year before. So that was one of the factors there, you know. But they were the number one team in the West. So Phoenix, yep. Utah, teams like that, I absolutely agree and think we can be um, like that this season. Yeah. But home so, run Phillips. Yep, absolutely. So we're an hour and a half into the stream, and we <laughs> we're just getting to the players. So uh, well, a lot of the players are going to go fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, let's start with Larry Nance. I said, you know, I brought up Dame earlier, but we can get to him. We can just do this in chronological order. Um, okay, so you're going to reference Mello to it. Yeah, I'm going to reference Mello, and I'm going to ask you a question. You were. Very supportive of Mello last year, in my opinion. And not saying you shouldn't have been or anything. Just you were more supportive than I was. And a lot of the fan base kind of got tired of the whole, you know, legacy thing and whatnot. And I know you didn't enjoy that either. Um, But you were one of the more supportive guys of him. And... um, we're more open to bringing him back this off season than I was. Correct. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So without Larry, promises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hearing Larry Nance Jr. talk today, aren't you thrilled to have a guy say something like this? One of the things Larry Nance said: he doesn't care if he's playing two minutes or thirty minutes. He doesn't care how many shots he gets. He just wants to win, and he'll do whatever it takes, whatever it is it is necessary to get that job done. Hearing him say that compared to the way we knew Mello felt about things and legacy, and he has to get his post touches, and he has to play at least 20 minutes a game, and yada, yada, yada. Aren't you just so relieved to have that change? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. If it's a choice between Nance or Mello, I'm taking Nance. Um, I don't think that has to be a choice, but like I said, I agree if that is the choice. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, it's such a huge yeah. relief to me. Right. My thing with Mello is um, I just think if you're preaching ball movement and spacing and 
uh, opening the floor. There's things you can do with a player who commands uh, defensive attention that to utilize that in a way, like kind of like a decoy almost, or just mm-hmm. someone who can. I mean, because sure, Nance can score a little bit, but he's not a guy who like Dame and CJ are getting taken out of a game. You can get a bucket necessarily uh, the way Mello can, um, but it's not crucial to have that. I just think every team could use a player like Mello on the bench, just maybe not with quite as big of a of a ego or need to be the man on a team so uh yeah but it's just like i don't know hearing everybody talk today everybody was just like basically preaching selflessness right right. and last year and it wasn't even like even if they were playing that style last year eric Mm -hmm. i still think there would have been a ton of talk about oh mellow passed this guy and no mellow passed this guy tonight and oh we're celebrating mellow tonight because he passed this guy now he's in 12 he's in 11 he's i mean yeah, it's just like got to the point where it was like all this talk about his legacy and letting Mello be Mello and yada 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 like that would go in such contradiction to everything we heard today. Yeah. And I some of that is, you know, letting Mello be Mello and like that's force feeding him touches and whatnot and we didn't necessarily have to do that, but it's like even under Chauncey, I feel like with Mello back, it would have kind of had that feeling like, yeah. oh, Mello's back, and now he's in the top ten of scorers. Let's see where he can get this year. <laughs> like, it would have been, I don't know, last year we had a super selfish offense, and it wasn't even necessarily because anybody was selfish. It was more by design. And this year, I'm hoping that changes, and it's all about everybody being bought in, being selfless, moving the ball more, not caring about touches or how much they score, all this type of stuff. I'm just so relieved that we have – a guy as our backup for now who basically embodies that to a T compared to Mr. Legacy. I didn't catch any of Lakers media day today. I caught several other teams, but uh, did they have their media day? (laughs) Uh, I I didn't see anything about it on online, but uh, you would have definitely seen it. So I don't feel like they did. Cause uh, I'd be interested to see uh, if your theory is correct. Um, he would be no, like that this year too, most likely. It'll just be like, man, I just want to win a, win a championship yeah. and I'm yeah. happy to be playing with LeBron and that's yeah. what it will be now. Right. But and I'm is... sure it won't be super focused on him when he's playing with LeBron and AD and it's the Lakers and all this type of stuff. But like in small market Portland to have a big name, future Hall of Famer like that, it's almost just like, I don't know. Lakers you know, you know. tomorrow. Jackson says, thanks, Jackson. Thank you, uh, Jackson. Yeah, I mean, ideally... You would want him to be, like, emergency, like Ben McLemore, basically, on this team. But he's never going to accept that role. But, uh, I mean... Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. For for all the crap, he he did accept the bench role last year, and he was a good sport about it, and he didn't complain publicly at all last year. So I, I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap for... Uh, basically getting forced into a situation where he was <laughs> I mean what are you supposed to do with him and Cantor on the on the court so both of those guys I think we could have done so much better to ease that burden on having them play together but uh, uh, yeah I agree uh, after watching Nance today I mean he even had all the Portland talking points he <laughs> brings up the, the LGBTQ community he brings yeah. up soccer he brings up uh like politics and 
Bash and you can tell Ohio. he's a soccer fan. Yeah, yeah Bash is Ohio. <laughs> uh, Bash is Ohio because they aren't progressive enough like Portland. Right. I mean, you can tell he's a soccer fan, too, if you follow him on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, he just seems like a cool dude. He just seems like a Portland kind of dude. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. He, I, I like his personality. I like his personality. And I didn't know anything about his personality until um, recently. But... Dude. This is the type of guy, dude, like, this is the type of guy you want on your team. I could see him being, like, kind of the heart and soul energy guy um, for this team. And, like, Nurkic is kind of that, too. Uh, I could see him being that. And on a stream a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about, I feel like we don't have a, a heart and soul guy. And we lost Zach Collins. And Zach Collins was kind of like our guy who had an edge to him and, like, yeah. had some feistiness and some fire. I I don't know. I feel like Larry Dance Jr. could mm. be that guy, man. Uh, he would. That was the most enjoyable interview for me to watch, man. Just because of his whole like demeanor and just the yeah. things he was saying, man. I don't even know how to really put it in words. He seems like goofy, like fun, but also like really intelligent too. But like he had so much energy, it was hard to like take him seriously because he was <laughs> answering like the way he was talking was just kind of funny. So, um, well, but, okay, yeah. hold on, uh. There was a time in this interview where I was like, he just sounds like somebody I know, but I can't put my finger on it. Jackson. And Trevin just nailed it. <laughs> he sounded like, there was like somebody said that sounded exactly like, he sounded exactly like Jackson. And I like couldn't, I couldn't figure it out, man. Oh, Trevin. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He kind of talk, talks a little like Jackson. Tyler Chaos, do you think it's weird he kept saying he chose to come to Portland? Um, yeah, I don't know if that was really the right way to phrase it but apparently he did or there were several similar offers on the table because if you uh recall cleveland didn't get anything from us in that trade so uh there could have been similar trades on the board from several different teams of a expiring contract and a first round pick and um so it could have been a case where Cleveland was nice enough to say, hey, look, these are the options. They're all offering the same thing to Chicago. They're fine with either of them. Which one of these would you rather have? So in a way, he might have chosen that. Uh, much Very like Cantor last year, um, I believe, had the option of staying with Memphis or coming to Portland. I think there might have been one other team, and he decided to come back to Portland. So even though they're traded for, they do sometimes have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing is he's a guy who his father played for Cleveland, so he spent a lot of his childhood in Cleveland. And, like, he's the type of guy, you know, good, like, seems like a great guy off the court, does a lot of uh, good things off the court, and uh, a good guy to have in the locker room. So he's the type of guy that Cleveland would, if they could, they would give him some options of trying to do what's best for him. Especially if it's a situation where it's like multiple deals where it doesn't even affect what Cleveland gets since it was the sign and trade for Laurie Markkinen. Yeah. Uh, so I could definitely see that being the case. And I I would guess that's what happened. And the bottom line is he... That been, wait, wait, hold on. That would have been a great question for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah yeah uh bottom line though he wants to be here he says he wants to be here he seems over the moon excited about <laughs> the opportunity here uh he's ready to be on the playoff stage he got one taste of it one season um and he's missed it and wants to get back to that um 
without that hunger and drive to get back to the finals. Uh, like you mentioned, he's willing to do whatever it takes to win, and I completely believe him when he says that. There's some people that'll say that, like if Melo said that, you wouldn't, you'd be like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, right? But yeah. uh, with him, it's absolutely the case, and he's proven that um, in certain situations. Um, I did like a lot of the uh, things he said uh, about the defense. <laughs> like, oh, when he played Portland, he didn't have to worry about <laughs> how you're going to get your points. <laughs> he just had to worry about stopping them from getting more than you or whatever. Um, uh, I also loved how he specifically mentioned something that we have hit home a hundred times, and that's, when you have a four and three advantage in the short roll, you have to make plays going downhill in those situations and get aggressive instead of going slow and um, letting the defense recover back to the to the open guy. And uh, so hopefully he is really good in the short roll in those situations. I think with how intelligent he is, how good of a passer he is, um, I feel fully confident in those short roll situations if he's the guy that ends up being that outlet there. Um, yeah, and here's the situation. Like, maybe we want Dame, CJ, Norm on the floor with Nurkic, right? But maybe it's a team that is trapping Dame a lot, and you want that additional playmaking in there, but you don't really want to sacrifice anything defensively. Now you could play Larry Nance Jr. instead of Robert Covington in those ending lineups and have uh, some additional playmaking at the four. Uh, he's not as good of a shooter as Rocco, and I think Rocco is a slightly better defender but like they're both really really good um so you know it's not i'm not sitting here and saying larry nance jr is a better player i think they're very equal but um it could be a situation of like what do you need down the stretch what type of game is it do you need a four man that uh can play make and out of the short roll out of the trap and if you do then you play larry nance jr if you just want a guy that you can trust on to to hit some threes because our forward spots have been getting a lot of spot up threes in the game then maybe you put roko in there instead so i like that part or or maybe you take nurk out and play Roko and or you go small. Yeah. 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 If it's a team that's going small down the stretch, you take Nurk out and you go small. Or if Norm is struggling and it's a team that goes big, you play Nance, Roko, and Nurk at the 3 4 5. Like, you got a lot of options. I mean, what? Nance was like right around 36% the last year or two, right? Three point shooting. Yeah, gone up the and last couple years. That's Roko's career average is 36%. And. He had a better shooting year this year uh, next to Damon CJ than he had the previous few years. So um, maybe that's a case where they're pretty equal three-point shooters, so that doesn't really factor in either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else on Nance do you got? Um, <laughs> he had a funny thing about accountability. He said players know. <laughs> he said they know when they mess up, and so it's not like calling them out is – some sort of secret like oh my goodness like you did something wrong like you should know when you mess up and that's part of accountability um, yeah see like it's not hard for a player to know when they mess up but that doesn't necessarily mean that they know exactly what right. they should be doing well, in, in that scenario he so. said there's a certain level of care you need and what he meant by that was um you have to care as to why you messed up and how to fix it right yeah. you can't just be like oh my bad messed up 
like every time right? and never yeah and just keep saying that so mm-hmm. you have to not only know you messed up but then that's when he said he looked forward to being accountable and he has no problem with that because um if you have that level of care then you're going to want to learn from that and be better and care enough to do that and uh yeah i i just once again home run i think uh i i i'm I was excited about the trade. I thought it was a great trade, but after listening him t- to him today, I think he's just going to be such. Um, I mean, people say move the needle. I, I don't know, like to what degree, but I think he's going to be much more impactful than a lot of people had um, thought when he was traded here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even want to get into people that underrate his game. You got anything else on, on no, Nance? No, that was or... pretty much it for Nance. All right, who was after Nance? CJ was next up. All right, what were your takeaways from CJ's conversation? Uh, he said he doesn't take the trade rumors to heart, which I thought was cool of him to say. He said he said uh, he knows how it is as a fan because he's a Browns, Browns fan, <laughs> and he's kind of the same way with the Browns as some fans are with the Blazers, so that's cool. Yeah, there was a video of him at the game. He was uh, – on the sidelines on Sunday for the Browns game. And, Who did they uh, play on Sunday? Who did they play yesterday? They played the Bears, I think. Was it the Bears? Yeah, I think it was yeah, the Bears. I think it was the Bears, and the Bears did horrible. Oh. Rough weekend of football for, for us, but more so you. <laughs> hey, my beers <laughs> one. You're, you're beast one. I don't care about college football, but sure. yeah, our, our fantasy matchup, man, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry about good. that. I just had to bring that up. I'd rather once. get blown out than <laughs> lose a heartbreaker when I had two guys yeah. get out with injuries. But um, yeah, like, so he was, uh, you know, handshaking with Baker and uh, Odell mm-hmm. Beckham and stuff. But he was saying like, oh, Pretty my cool. friends, I've like thought about trade scenarios where we could get something for those guys too so like he's he doesn't take that seriously and he said if he's here he's gonna give the best version of him so i thought it was cool that he played it that way and uh um he know, he knows man he knows it's not it's nothing personal um yeah. he also uh mentioned that he was comfortable with any type of coaching and that he is completely open to um being held accountable as well yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's gonna say they're not open to that. Yeah. but I, you could. I I got the feeling like yeah, right. they're not lying about it, right. you know. So, um, yeah. Uh, so that's cool. What else did you? Oh, yeah, Trevin. Trevin has the quote. It's some people. <laughs> some people don't like you. Some people do like you, and then some people like you and also want you gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which is, which is kind of, of fan base. it's kind of where we fit. I mean, we both like CJ. Uh, no problem with him being on the team. But it's not even that we want him gone. It's yeah. just like if there's a deal out there that makes the team better, I'm for it. If yeah. that means he's gone, because a lot of the people we talk about, whether that's Siakam, you know, that kind of player, uh, we basically have to trade CJ in that deal in some capacity to make it work financially. So it's nothing yeah, personal with CJ. I mean, if we could get Siakam without trading any good players, of course we would do it. But like, you have to give up something to get something back. So, yep. Yep. But yeah, CJ, other than that, it was kind of all just fluff stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard it before from him. Yep. Uh, who's next? Uh, Yusuf. Oh no, it was Nurkic. All right, so I'm sure you got a couple uh, 
juicy ones here. It was a very juicy interview. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's okay, a completely different just, person. Yeah. Okay. Let me just. Okay. Let me just give my takeaway. All yeah, right, and then you can dive into the. Co- my main takeaway I didn't write a lot is because it was all same basically. <laughs> yeah, but like my takeaway was this dude hated Terry Stotts. Hated him. Oh, oh, Absolutely dude. hated him. That was my takeaway. It's like, For oh sure. my goodness. But we were saying that at the end of last year, man. And we were, I didn't. when was the first time we realized that he was unhappy with Stotts? Was it midseason or was it playoffs? I think it was no, like before playoffs. It was before the playoffs because it was right when he came back from injury. One yeah. of his first games back. Um, he said that was when he said like, Sitting on the sidelines, I noticed the lack of effort on defense, and we've got to be more aggressive on offense, and everyone's playing selfish and all that kind of stuff. So um, that happened. I forgot what the date was, but it was right around when he came back, like the, his first game back or uh, right before he came back or somewhere around there. Um, yeah. And that was like that was either later that same night or the next game or something. That's when Stotts made the Nurk just goes rogue comment. <laughs> dude yeah. like okay like that a coach saying that about a player i i didn't read too much into it at the time i was just like oh stuff just sucks but that indicates that things are seriously broken if your head coach is ever saying yeah this player just goes rogue and yeah you know sometimes they just goes rogue man i don't know like if any coach is ever saying about that about any player that's a real bad sign for that coach <laughs> Mm-hmm. like that, that should never that should never be said uh, like the only way that could be good is like yeah i give the i give nurkic some freedom to uh to trap or to sag off the pick and roll and i let him uh decide what to do at, at points and me and him have talked about that and i give him the freedom to do that like okay maybe that's fine it's still not a good strategy because the rest of your defense has to be uh designed to fit behind whatever you're doing guarding the pick and roll but if you're out here saying a guy went rogue, dude, that it, it's even worse thinking back about it now than I took it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty annoyed. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, here's the deal. Because, I mean, was, I'll just come out and say it. There are some people who are criticizing Nurk online for uh, their stops lovers, and they think that's he's being a baby and that he had every opportunity to have these roles um, under Stotts and that there's not really that much possible growth if he's getting given a different role. It's not going to look that much different. So uh, I feel like any... Okay, let me just say that to that. I feel like anybody who's actually played organized basketball at a high enough level in which mm-hmm. they didn't just get like a great role understands where Nurkic is coming from. Right. You know what I mean? And I normally don't like say stuff like that, but if you can't understand the mindset of Nurkic, I feel like you probably haven't played organized basketball because I can absolutely relate to some of it with my, you know, year of college basketball and seeing some of the ways, you know, we were coached and even in high school and the way I was utilized in high school, like I understand where he's coming from, man. And it's, it's frustrating to see people hate on him. Because 
I saw it last year, and I called it out last year, and it all makes sense. And it's not like this dude is doing it from a selfish place in my mind. He wants to be the best player he can be so that he can help the team be the best team that they can be. And if he's not being put in the right role and you being utilized correctly, then he's going to have an issue with that because it's holding him back. It's holding the team back. It's not good. So, like, even if it's a selfless... Even if he's being selfless... He's still going to be annoyed because it's a situation where he feels like Terry Stoss isn't doing what's best for the team because one of their players isn't being utilized, right? And it just so happens to be him. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating hearing that because it's, I don't know. Like, it's just people that I feel like have no idea what Nurkic is talking about or how to relate to it. And this is another thing that was proven I think we can pretty much lay it to bed 100% correct. Nurk, everything he said that day was 100% true. Our effort on defense was crap. Mm-hmm. The way we play offense was selfish, and it does mm-hmm. not work. We needed to move the ball better. We needed to have better plays. We needed to hold people accountable. Everyone agrees mm-hmm. about today that that was all right, right? And yeah. and everyone affirmed today, like we talked about earlier, that that was not happening last year. So yep. not only – think about this, right? Your use of Nurkic. You watch this team play. You watch this defense be somehow worse than the year before when they didn't have you there, mm-hmm. right? And then you come back, you sat on the sidelines, and you pinpoint – Exactly, 280, everything that is wrong with this team and that needs to be better. And instead of your coach being like, yeah, yeah, let's let's do this more. Let's, let's explore these things. And they're not complicated things, passing the ball and having more effort on defense and, and like trapping a little more, being more aggressive. Like those are just basic basketball things. It's not like you had to incorporate those into some like eight months of practice before you're good at doing them. And instead of his coach being receptive to any of that, he calls him out and like, he's the freaking problem. Like, no, he coached just completely threw him under the bus. And that, if I was Nurk, I, I don't know if I would, I might've pulled a Latrell Sprewell on coach Doss last year. If he was doing that to me, like behind the scenes and stuff like, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't get how anyone can not see that Stotts was in the wrong there and Nurk was 100% right. And it was proven today that Nurk knew exactly how to fix the team and tried to get the players to do something about it when there was still like 20 games left um, to, to actually change it and work on those things before the playoffs. But no, we don't do that. And then Nurk looks crappy like it's his fault in the playoffs because Stotts stupid ass schemes and and he gets the blame for not stepping up and defending Jokic one-on-one. <laughs> like, do we... Yeah, with not a single different look being thrown <laughs> yeah. in to help Nurkic with that defensive assignment. Right. You and, know what and, I mean? And Ugh. then you got people criticizing him. Like, those people don't know basketball at all. They don't know basketball. And their their credibility is all shot anyway. And now those same people are like, in a position where they have to root for this team to be bad next year or they look even worse. So, um, yeah, it's just, I, I, I don't get how anyone could be mad at Nurk for being frustrated and for having an attitude I, or a problem I with mean, that. Uh, 
dude, it's just ridiculous. It's all the people that, I mean, it's just people, this is where I talked earlier in the stream about how people have a pro stats bias and a lot of their opinions fit along that narrative. And this is just one of them, an opinion that makes absolutely no sense because everything that was talked about today was basically echoing what Nurkic was saying was wrong with the team last season, right? But somehow it's Stotts put him in a perfect position to succeed and Nurk was wrong for that and shouldn't have been as frustrated and just all this crap, man. I... <sighs> oh, and then you got Danny Morang a few days ago telling him to shut up and play basketball too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Add that to the I mix. mean, but that's bad. That's the, that's, yeah, that's what you should expect from Dan Morang. Yeah. Um, that's the awesome analysis and insight he brings and Anthony Simons is six foot five. I'm surprised we didn't get a question about, Hey, Ant, are you six foot five today? <laughs> oh my goodness. He better be six foot five when he walks on that court on October 2nd for fan fest. All right. Shoot, dude, I need to go stand courtside and sit behind the bench that he's on and then just, like, stand next to him and be like, okay, is he actually six foot five? Oh, my goodness. Because, of course, he... If, if anybody doesn't know, Meringue brought up on a stream, he's like, yeah, Anthony Simons is now six foot five. And then Anthony Simons came on their stream, I think it was a couple weeks later, recently, and... Anthony brought it up himself. He was like, "Yeah, somebody said he I was six it foot." Was me. Yeah, somebody somebody said I was somebody six foot five. Me. I'm in a fantasy football league with some Blazer fans, and somebody said, "Hey, Ant, I heard you were six foot five. Is that true?" And Anthony was confused by that. He didn't know where that started. He brought that up on Meringue's stream when Meringue started the rumor that Anthony Simons is six foot five. And Meringue acted like he had no idea what Anthony Simons was talking about. He's like, oh, well, we, we better break out the tape measure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, if you're watching our stream, you've made the right choice on YouTube. <laughs> Let me just say that. Uh, it's just that that type of stuff. And Ner telling Nurkic to shut up and dribble, it's just ridiculous, man. Um, and oh. I will continue to hold people like him accountable for the crap that they spew and the stuff that they say. And I will continue to hold the media accountable. And I will... Shout out media when they do a good job. I shouted out Travis and Chad today because I thought they were doing a good job interviewing players on Rip City Radio 620. So it's not somewhere I'm just sitting here trying to bash people. I will continue to hold accountable the crap that they spew. And telling Nurkic to shut up and play was absolutely ridiculous. And anybody who is like sitting there like, yeah, is just absolutely lost. Um, yeah, so uh, Gray Hughes said today in their live stream, he bashed Nurk's attitude and talked about how he should just be grateful. Screw that guy, man. Yeah. Screw that guy. That's and I don't pathetic. I don't want to talk about him, but he keeps right. saying stuff that like yeah. is just absolutely blasphemous and ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And now it's like he lost his post game show and now he's on YouTube and he's gonna be doing post game shows. He's gonna be doing everything that we're doing. So he's our competitor. He's trying to be so, honest, yeah. yeah, you know, try with takes like that, we'll see where it takes him. He has Blazer's Edge and his whole corporate backing to prop him up, I'd love to see him. I'd love to have seen him try to do what we've done from scratch. I, I don't know, man. Like, this might not come across the right way to some of you guys, but I don't care. I don't like the dude. He says stuff like that. It makes it a lot easier to call him out because it's just absolutely ridiculous and dumb, in my opinion. And he's called us out on platforms before. The thing is, I'm not scared to say his name like he is scared to say ours. Uh, yeah. Uh, that that just 
if you guys can't tell, I'm really annoyed right now because that just pisses me off when people go at Nurkic like that. And <laughs> it's just people that have never played organized basketball. And that's just another one of them. So, eh, oh my goodness, man. Like, they don't, they're not even trying to understand where he's coming from. But because they said none of those things are issues, they can't sit here and say, oh, well, actually, Nurkic was right and I was wrong. So. I mean, to do, to say that, they'd have to be man enough to admit that maybe coaching did have an effect on the team in previous years. And uh, yeah, so yeah, all, all those people I... are in for a rude awakening when Phillips completely changes the course of this yeah. team. But I um, mean, yeah, but I'm glad we... I'm glad this is two hours into a stream that we're having this rant because I'm I guys let me just say this let me just say this I'm genuinely trying not to talk about him but he continually says stuff that makes me just have just makes it hard not to call him out on it all right so if you guys don't want me talking about him i try he makes it hard blame him i dude i really really try and it's the same guy that insulted us for saying all the things that now the team is echoing all the problems that we said happened with the team that now the organization and all the players and chauncey is basically admitting was actually a problem he insulted us over us pointing that stuff out. That has now been confirmed by the organization and the team itself. And he was the type to call us an idiot and flat earthers and morons. And just, you know, that's how Neanderthals. he's. Neanderthals. <laughs> Neanderthals. Yeah. So screw that guy. Oh, anyway, well, rant over. <laughs> you, you mentioned it your mom, your mom told me to calm down. So I'll calm down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is a looser. According to my mom. A loser? Yeah, he's a he's a loser. Yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry to Eric's bomb. Sorry, I just get frustrated and annoyed with that type of stuff. I mean, you hit it on the head. People who have never played basketball don't understand these kind of things. So here's the thing: you can you understand these things if you haven't played basketball, but you no, have to try and understand yeah. them. You have to like try and like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to. If you can't necessarily relate to a situation as a player, you can understand that. If you try to, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you aren't so caught up in your own opinions that you're willing to listen you know what i mean so that's the thing is like people that haven't played they can truly understand what it's like to be a player if they actually listen and try and see where that player is coming from because yep. like anything a player says you should be listening to it you shouldn't be telling them, yeah shut up though you know you're, you're wrong you're wrong you don't know what you're talking about as a game of basketball i know what i'm talking about i've never played but i know what i'm talking about you don't so you just need to shut up and play and be grateful i mean who 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 are you to say that to him right like uh sorry i'm starting to rant more i'm i'm done i'm done i'm done <laughs> but uh bottom line about nerd seems like he's going to have fun again he seems happy he seems in a good place yes and, happiness and i think that billups even when things go wrong i think billups uh temperament and the way he is just uh it, well, nurk even said it i had a conversation with a grown-ass man <laughs> he said another shot at stats right um yeah but uh, yeah, I just think that communication is going to be there, and it's going to put Nurk in such a better place, and we're going to see uh, such a better version of him this year. Yep. Yeah, I forgot the whole theme of this uh, stream, which is happiness, guys. Mm -hmm. Happiness. Um, <laughs> we did. Uh, I, I guess Cody Zeller was technically before Nurkic, I think, but 
He didn't say it. The only thing notable that he said was like, we're already a good defensive team. (laughs) That was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, we're optimistic going into next year, Eric, but I'm not going to go that far until I see it. I mean, maybe it's just a situation where like he was in the Eastern Conference, didn't see us play that much, barely played against us. And then he's been here in workouts and been like, wow, these guys playing good defense. We're a good defensive team. I don't know. That's the only takeaway where it makes any sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I hope that's the case because he's oblivious if that's if he thought it was good before now. But he's he didn't have to play for Stott, so he wouldn't know, I guess, right? Yep. Um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot notable there. Uh, he seems like he's my age and <laughs> looks like he's my age. Like he's an old old man. He's only what twenty seven or something. So. Uh, <laughs> He has like a, I don't know what it is, but he has like a distinct personality, it seems yeah. like, I don't know, where he's just like kind of like laid back and just kind of like seems like a guy that's not going to talk that much and just be like very like, he's like very normal, like too normal. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't, that's probably a horrible breakdown, but his personality seems intriguing to me. So that's the thing with the new guys that we always bring in. It's like, what are our personalities like? Cody Zeller and Tony Snell need a podcast. That's all I know. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, not much to talk about from Zeller. And then who was after that? Because the theme is happiness. Wasn't it uh, Damian Lillard? Yes, Damian Lillard. Yeah, and the theme is happiness. And Dame seemed pretty okay, at least. I don't know. I don't know. People might say he's not happy, like they have said all summer long, which, I mean, he wasn't happy after last season. But overall, it's he seems pretty optimistic going into the season. More optimistic than a lot of people uh, thought. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny because the first question was from Quick, and he said, how do you feel about the roster? And Dame yeah, like wow, before Damon even <laughs> sat down. <laughs> that was funny. Damon just started laughing. It was funny. And then you have – okay – we're not Powell yet, but I felt like that guy that asked Powell that question tried to, like, recreate that funniness. And he basically asked Powell, so why are you here? <laughs> Which was like, uh, dude. <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. But the media was trying to have some personality today. Let's and then Norm was like, excuse me? And he's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why? <laughs> like, why am, why am I... <laughs> <laughs> Norse, Norse, like low key funny. I, I know. <laughs> they must have a relationship. I'll be like, a player sitting down for an interview, and you're just gonna be like, "Why are you here, bro?" <laughs> oh, that was funny to me. When, anyway. walked, when Norm walked up to, they were like, "Oh, we didn't, we didn't call you for media." And he's like, "Okay, I'm out there." <laughs> he's like goofing off that he's gonna walk away. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because I don't think they did. Because they didn't. They do the media stuff like after we resigned them. So. It seemed like with the guys, eh, I mean, we did it with, did we ever have a press conference for anybody we signed other than Norm? Just Norm? Okay. We did yeah, have one so. for Norm. Did we? Yeah, just Norm. We, no, we yeah, did. we have one for Norm. He had we that did? interview with like, um, I kind of think of Beavis' girlfriend right now. Um, <laughs> Bruh, don't <laughs> say that. That's a joke. Um, no, he had the. Uh, interview with uh brickles because she'll be like she'll be like what no <laughs> uh, sorry beavis beavis is our beavis is the biggest brickles and damn fan um dude it is my mission just to, to set them up on a date 
that that is that is that that's my mission we're just trying to get the channel big enough to get noticed by Brickles and Dams so that we can set her up with Beavis because okay. Beavis yeah. Beavis is a wonderful human being and uh her biggest fan so anyway um <laughs> Damian Lillard there's two donos. Do you want to get those before we yeah, start? Yeah, let's see. I think the donos. I'm already off track talking about Beavis. I've been off track all stream. JM12315 donos says, Hey, fellas, hope all is well. Thanks as always for the late night entertainment while studying. Smiley face because the theme is happiness on tonight's stream. Thank What's you, up, JM, man? for the $5 dono. And then Alvaro, uh, they stacked those donos together. Alvaro hits it with the $5 dono. He says, Nachos? Question mark. One thing that was funny was when Nance highlighted how easy it was to score against us last year when asked what he thought outside looking in. Uh, that is something that we didn't touch on. Uh, good dono, Alvaro. Appreciate Alvaro and Jam for the donos. Um, I did mention yeah. that, actually. Did you? Oh, yeah. It must have been must have been quick. <laughs> I don't know where mind was. my mind was. I might have been reading chat. So. But yeah, he did uh, say you never had to worry about where your points were going to come from. It was like um, you just had to worry about stopping... Dude, I, would, I would love for teams to worry about like okay how are we gonna score against them tonight <laughs> i would love to just please man i'm hopeful this year yeah, uh don't have to if they have to spend like part of their practice on both offense and defense instead of just mm-hmm. okay this is how we're gonna stop dating this game yep yeah. yeah. uh so damian lillard his media day uh interview probably the interview that everybody's been waiting for us to talk about um, so, I think you're, you're kind of saying it's still somewhat up in the air. I think Dame slammed the door closed today. Wait, I'm saying it's up in the air with what? With Dame, you said you're, you weren't a hundred percent sure, like, about it. Like, him, I, say that? I don't know. You kind of made it seem like some people could interpret it other ways. I think you're mixing it up because I don't remember saying or alluding to anything like that. Like, okay. like, like long term before his career ends or this year? Uh, like after this year. Do you think it's still a question mark moving? I mean, forward? I don't think it's likely at all. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's impossible. But a lot of people are like, "Yeah, Dame's going to leave next mm-hmm. offseason. But like, Good I don't. I don't think it's likely. Even if we lose in the first round again, I don't. It's just Dame Dame's character is not to do that, is to see things through no matter how bad they get. And that was a lot of what this interview was. Mm-hmm. So even if it's so bad that we lose again in the first round next year, I I still it's just when a guy is that solid and that you know, when a guy's character when loyalty is such a big part of his character and he's so solid and consistent with his character. I, I have a hard time, I just have a hard time seeing it, you know? So I, I don't, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I don't think it's likely at all. So I don't know. I haven't talked about that though. So I don't know where you got that from. I thought you, right, when we first started talking about Dame, you said something to that effect. I don't know. Maybe I just misunderstood you. Chat, am I tripping or is Eric tripping? One of us is tripping right now. Uh, anyway, uh, go, so, go on. Um. I've, I've been very firm with this. If Dame requests a trade, not only do you have to worry about, like, how are you going to get to the perfect situation without them giving up 
so much that they're worse or at best similar to us uh, right now. Um, so if you ignore that, like even if you think Dame will request a trade, it goes against everything he is a person as a person. And he said that today. He said, like, that's not who I am. I'm, I got reaffirmed that this was going to be it's not going to be perfect. There's a lot of ups and downs. And then he he said um, that he spoke with Draymond and he talked about uh, when Steve Kerr got there. And um, and then uh, I, he didn't mention this, but obviously looking at Giannis winning a title this year. And Dame 100% now believes he's back to believing that he can win here and that it can happen for him. And he even said it will happen for me someday. Um I don't think I don't think he's ever going to go anywhere. I think he's here for good, and uh, I mean, unless something drastic happens to where he's unwanted by the organization, which I don't see, or if like there's just some devastating amount of injuries, maybe like similar to 2015 when we lost, you know, all our starters other than Dame. I mean, maybe something like that could happen, but short of like just a disaster, I just, I think he, when you compare something to marriage and you say like, oh, I fought with my wife and, but we always stuck together and look at us now, we get married and three kids and all that stuff. Like, this doesn't seem like a guy who's going to like then next season be like, oh, you know what? I was just playing last year about sticking through the ups and downs. See ya. I'm out. <laughs> like, you know? Um, so I think this summer, just the fact that he had to sit there and listen to these made-up rumors about him requesting a trade and all that stuff, I think those actually made him realize that he can't be the person he wants to be and also run from the grind like that. And uh, I, I just don't believe that he will do that. And that doesn't mean you, have to, you can just rest on that and be happy and not do anything in your power to make him get to that point where he wins a championship because you have to do everything you can to make that happen. Uh, you can't just rest on your laurels and, and do that. But I, I just feel like he's he's locked in and committed back to us uh, long-term. For Dame, a big part of the issue seemed to be like intentions right. within the organization to really go for it all. And that doesn't mean that, oh yeah, in order to really go for it all, you have to trade CJ. And people took it like that. And, you know, it's just people, like, wanting to see that happen. So they were thinking that Dame is, like, saying that it needs to happen. It's wishful thinking that Dame really feels that way. I mean, going for it all, and Dame said this too, it's not just about making a move to make a move. If it's not the right move. And, like, CJ and Rocco and picks for Ben Simmons is making a move to make a move, but it's not the right move absolutely isn't the right move and most people can agree on that that are at least within their sanity um well real on that one real quick so he says you need a you need to to make a trade and um he specifically said you're not just going to make a trade to to make one and that um so to me that signified that there were deals on the table and he thought we were better off not making them but continue yeah, like, yeah. So it's just a situation where I feel like you got, you upgraded the backup four and five. 
you went out and got a coach that will really do his best to win it all. And I feel like Stotts didn't really do his best to try and win it all. He didn't change anything when our defense was horrible all year. He just kept running the same stuff, which screams to me that Stotts was just okay with trying to outscore teams despite having one of the worst defenses ever, which just screams not truly trying to win it all, right? And I think that the front office was really aggressive this past uh, offseason. It's just like a guy like Siakam didn't get traded, probably wasn't on the table. A guy like Jeremy Grant probably wasn't on the table at all. And it's questionable whether he'd be even be an upgrade over CJ. Um, I don't think he's better than CJ. They just, you know, maybe the positional stuff would sort out better. I don't know, but he probably wasn't even available. Like, who was the best player that got traded this offseason? Russell Westbrook. He wouldn't have fit <laughs> here. Who's the next best player that's gotten traded this offseason? Who? Uh, it was probably the sign-in trades with, like, DeRozan and... See, but Lonzo that's, like, free agency like, because yeah. those guys are free agents. Right. So, like, actual trade. Who's the next best player that got traded this offseason? Chat. Let me know in chat. I'm trying to think of it. I guess it would be the people... Well, Thaddeus Young, uh, no, K- no. KCP, Montrez Harrell. Like, that's the level of players that got traded. Eric. Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. Yeah, he's the. S- I would. I have. I, was I have him above Thad Young. No, no, I wasn't. No, I know, but like that's my point. Yeah, Valanchunas is a Valanchunas is a good job, Suede. Yeah. Um, so Valanchunas was the second best player that got traded, but he doesn't fit here when we have Nurkic, right? So a point guard in the center. Kemba got traded, but that was a cap dump, and he's a point guard. Doesn't make sense here. Al Horford is a center. Doesn't make sense here. And I would say Larry Nance Jr. is better than Al Horford. So who's the best non-point guard or center that got traded this offseason? Who's the best forward that got traded this offseason? Larry Nance Jr. We acquired him. Right? Here's the thing. If another Western Conference team went out and acquired Larry Nance Jr., you'd have people screaming, Oh, there's another Western team getting a lot better. But like since we got him, it's like, Oh, yeah, it's an upgrade, but it's not enough. Dude, like, the whole thing with Dame and... Yeah, he's... Not going to be happy unless we make some big splash. I don't think Dame is unreasonable. And if it's a situation where none none of those guys were available outside of Ben Simmons and then Maury wants, you know, half the organization for Ben Simmons, then Olshay did his best and ended up with Larry Nance Jr. And I fully believe that. Yeah, well, I mean, a couple Olshay's comments about how he always involves Dame and communicates with him. Dame saying uh, he was involved and he saw what was on the table and it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a game-changing move. He specifically mentioned Kevin Durant. I don't know if he's going to get fined for that or not, but um, he said There's, we're not going to go out and get a Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, like that's just not going to happen. He's realistic. He's not dumb. Um, and the other players that were available, if there were, um, like I said, he, he probably felt like uh, that he's better off without making that trade, all the assets we'd have to give up to get certain players. If you're meeting an asking price on a Ben Simmons, does that really make us a better team if we're giving up Rocco and <laughs> CJ and picks and stuff, you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, just, I, 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 I think he realizes... And he's been involved with the free agency every year. I think he knows how hard it is. But I also think 
that with that conversation with Draymond, he realized that he can still win despite all that. Like he, they're still a good team, and they're like, why not us? Type of attitude. Yep. Yep. So it's just a situation where it's like a lot of targets that fans wanted to see probably weren't available or weren't available for something reasonable. Uh, ben Simmons. So it's a situation where Olshay went out and got the best forward that wasn't a free agent. All right. Because I, as I said, I'm not counting free agency signing trades. The best forward that got traded was Larry Nance Jr. And we got him. And he fits perfectly. And it's what everybody said we needed a playmaking forward that can defend and hit threes. Which is really hard to go out and get. It's not common, especially one who's also, like, athletic, too. And we went out and got him. And people want, oh, it's just nowhere near now. It's just, yeah. Dude, I bet you Dame is thrilled to play with him. Mm-hmm. And I, like, that's the thing. It's like, people, uh, I don't understand. It's like, somehow Dame's unhappiness meant you have to trade CJ. <laughs> with no extra context to that whatsoever. Yeah. Never oh. agreed with that. Uh, well, we're on this topic, too. Oh, what do you know? Dame, before free agency, what did Norm say he did? He texted him saying he wants him back on the team. Mm-hmm. Why would Dame do that if he was about to request a trade or was thinking yeah. about requesting a trade? Like, do you think he would, he would go to Norm and be like, hey, uh... I want you back on my team. I want to play with you still. And then Dave's not the type of person that would then be like, oh, I'm out. Screw you. you know, like Sucker. I got he, you back here and he I'm would, gone. He's, yeah. he's the type that would stay even if he was unhappy just because he said that he was going to be here to Norm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, once again, an- another confirmation that those uh, rumors were not true at all. Um, and how many times did he say he's going to go out on a shield? I mean, that's, uh, I mean, he, we know that he's that type of person. Um, yeah. And he said he was going to do it. So I don't, I don't see any way way he would contradict that in a year from now or whatever. For some people, apparently he didn't close the door enough. (laughs) I'm not even going to go into that more because I'll start ranting, but I mean, he's not anyway. He's not going to come out and say, I'm going to be in Portland forever. He's just not going to lock himself into that because, I mean, that's how you get yourself in trouble. And he's just not going to. But, I mean, he basically said everything about it without saying. <laughs> yep. Yep. And even in the things he did say, he pretty much closed the door. I, I mm-hmm. don't see how anybody can even question that unless they just are hoping for chaos at this point. Like the, I can see some Laker fans and some 76ers fans saying, oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. Of course he's going to say that. So he's a future Sixer or a future Laker, crap like that. Fans of other teams that aren't paying attention and are used to getting stars, at least with Laker fans. Like, that's the only people that should be saying anything like that. And even they have half their fan base saying it's ridiculous. Like, you go on forums where... There's Laker fans that actually know basketball and 76ers fans that know basketball. They're saying, yeah, Dame's going back and Dame's loyal to Portland and it was a pipe dream anyway. And yeah, because that's that's literally what it's been all summer long. And it's funny how you have some fans of this organization, some fans of the Portland Trailblazers that try and act like that's not the case. I don't understand it. I never will. 
Shout out Caleb Pendergraph for the $5 dono. He says, how can you say Nance is the best forward traded when Lakers legend Kyle Kuzma was traded this offseason for Russell Restbrick? Sarcasm. <laughs> That's funny. I appreciate the $5 dono, Caleb so Pendergraph. Caleb. <laughs> I had trouble just saying that sentence uh, because... <laughs> Kuzma and Westbrook. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Kuzma, Kuzma, yeah. I mean, uh, he might, maybe now that he's away from LA, maybe he can, you know... Be a different player. I don't know, but no, he'll be I, like I don't have LeBron right in my way anymore. Now I can play like the superstar that I am, <laughs> and he'll go out there and shoot like forty percent from the field and thirty percent from three, shooting twenty shots a game. Yeah, I mean may, maybe it's different. I don't know, but he he's not the brightest guy. <laughs> he's if you pay attention to some of the stuff he says, he's not the brightest guy, and I, I think that translates to the court too, where he is just does not realize his limitations or how he should play to fit a winning team. Yeah, um, and then Dame also mentioned. I thought this was interesting. This was as close as he's ever going to be to bashing uh, Stotts, but he said sometimes you just need a fresh start with new ideas, and that the new staff will make things different automatically just by being different and just by hearing different phrases and stuff like that, which is what I've been saying all along that once he gets in with the new staff and starts learning some different ways he can play and uh, doing some different things with the same, it might be the same team, but you're doing things in a different way that he's going to be re-energized. And um, this is going to be something that he's going to completely buy into. Yep. Yep. Uh, what other quotes you got from? And him? then he also said that he has never had an issue with accountability, and he welcomes it. So yeah, I'm, I don't. Has people questioned that? I mean, there has been the cases of well, Stotts can't hold him accountable because he'll like I don't know. He has to want yeah. it himself or whatever. But yeah, you know. I mean, I I. I've heard a couple people act like, yeah, Stotts can't hold him accountable because you can't piss off Dame. <laughs> As if Dame would get pissed off from that. Yeah. I've actually heard people say that now that I think about it. Yeah, it's... Dame, Dame's... you got to let Dame do whatever a good he wants. Ca- Dame's not a diva, man. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. come he's, on. This is Portland so... fan saying this. I mean, you can't... I don't think you can be as... as big of a star as Dame is. I'd be less of a deep in my mind, like right. Um, yeah, it's hard to think. Maybe Tim Duncan. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. there's very few examples of players that are that good at what they do and have that little of an ego and are willing to do those sort of things. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, but that was pretty much from... it from Dame. Cool. Who else do we have? Norm was next, uh, and then Ant, and then Nas, and that's it. And Roko, yeah, but those were all really short, so um, yeah, we don't have to really talk about them that much. Yeah, just uh, toss out whatever. Norm, uh, well, we already talked about uh, how Dame texted one and back. He also said mm-hmm. CJ did. Um, we talked about he met with uh, Billups and um, Olshay several times before free agency, and uh, they kind of explained his role to him. Uh, something we didn't talk about with Billups is that I guess he was uh involved in the free agency process and getting some of those guys to sign and uh he said he likes accountability because he doesn't mess with excuses (laughs) and 
by holding people accountable, you take away all the excuses and you just tell it how it is. And that's, he prefers that way. Um, and he also compared the versatility of this roster to, uh, uh, the 2019 Raptors title team he was on. He said it was very similar in terms of players that can do different things, multiple guys that can step up and do different roles and score or play defense and stuff like that. So it just comes down to being a good enough defensive team. Like mm-hmm. if this team's a top 10 defense, they're a contender because yeah. offensively they're a top three offense. Yeah. So it, and it's about like being at that level in the playoffs and having your style of play translate more to the playoffs, which I think will be I think will play a better style of basketball, which will be more conducive for playoff success. So it's that that'll happen in my opinion, and then it's the defense being good enough, which we have to wait and see on. And if it's a top borderline top ten defense, we're a contender. Is that yep. simple? Yep. So. I agree. Um. What What else? Anything? That was pretty much it from Norm. I mean, he right. he said a bunch of the same things that everyone else said. Yeah, was Ant next? Yeah, yeah. Ant looks ripped. <laughs> Ant looks Ant looks strong. Like compared to where he came into the league, I don't know. It, he looked like I don't know. He looked like a guard that you wouldn't call skinny anymore. He looked pretty strong. I don't know, man. I don't know if it's the way he's sitting. I don't know if he's trying to make himself look stronger the way he was sitting. I could <laughs> maybe see that being a thing. I don't know if it was the new sleeve he's rocking, the tassies. CJ, CJ made a joke about it. <laughs> Did he? What did CJ say? I missed that. It was kind of hard to hear him, but it was something like, um, yeah, it looks bigger, but he ruined it with a tattoo or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's funny. Yeah, because CJ is a guy who's not tatted at all, right? So I don't know. Uh, is CJ tatted? CJ isn't tatted. I don't, I don't know. I don't think he is. I mean, maybe he's tatted somewhere we can't see. Let's just stop speculating. Uh, uh Ant looks bigger. That was my yeah. biggest takeaway is he looks strong. Well, he uh, said but he, was, that... <laughs> he was like, someone said you look bigger, and he's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I like Ant's Ant. funny. Ant's yes. like a normal guy. He's just a cool guy. He seems so much more relaxed. Yeah. Like he's just, I don't know. Like he's grown into himself yeah, like, as a person at the NBA level, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, he knows who he is. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, it just seems so much more comfortable. and uh, seems like he feels like he belongs. You know what I mean? Like He has that confidence in himself now. He was also so polite, too. Like, he wanted... He was he was being really nice to all the media and stuff. And that's... Uh, what, overall, today, I mean, I don't know how you can get, like, a better group of people just in general. Uh, I mean... Minus the whole allegation thing, uh, just in terms of everyone's like the way they handle themselves and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I just think everyone is super nice and polite, and I, I just really like the that whole aspect of good good people to root for. Yeah, yeah, uh, and is maybe more than anybody on the team just comes across as just like a humble, you know. A hum- like a humbleness but like believes in himself and is just confident in who he is and is just a very normal guy and I don't know like he's the type of guy I feel like you could talk to off the court and just be completely normal and even with like good guys on the team you probably wouldn't necessarily get that feeling um, so that's something that I like about him he's a he's a seems like a really cool guy yep. and I mean he's a he's in a fantasy league with you <laughs> yeah. so like with some Blazer fans so I mean that's uh 
You know, that's just the type of guy he is. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's... I mean, he's never, like, acted, like, all conceited or anything in that league either. And he he's wanting to, like, talk a little crap with people. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. But <laughs> Like, uh, in, a, in a fun nature way. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. just like, uh, you're going down this week, you know, type of thing. But, um, yeah. Any, anything else he said? Uh, no, he just basically said, uh, I wish... He did kind of mention what he wanted to improve on the most or what things he had been working on. I don't think he mentioned defense, but he did mention like playmaking and um, getting to the basket and stuff like that. So yeah, he he touched upon like how Chauncey thinks that he'll have an easier time attacking the basket Mm -hmm. in his offense than he did last year, basically in Stotts' offense, which is something that I've said. That was another thing that I've said that was basically confirmed today is. in an offense, I don't remember what the exact quote was, but basically it was in the offense that predicates uh, that is predicated off of ball movement and player movement. It'll Anthony will have an easier time slashing and attacking the basket um, than he would last year. And basically, the whole thought process is he he's not Dame or CJ in terms of like attacking a guy one on one off the dribble yet. So if you're moving the ball and he's catching the ball and the defense is attacking him from the side and defenders have to run him off the three point line. So defenders are going to close him out hard. He shot 42% last year. Um, if the defender is closing out from the side, it's easy to drive around them. It's easier to drive around them than if they're closing out from straight in front of you where you don't have like a lane on either side of them. So uh, that's something how ball movement could shift the defense Away from a guy like Ant, the ball could get back to Ant and he could either have a three, a catch-and-shoot three, or a driving lane and be able to attack instead of having to break down a guy one-on-one in isolation like Damon CJ had to do all the time. So that's the thought process behind it. Right, and then when he did get threes, they were often contested too. And obviously he he hit a good percentage about him. But if you can get him slightly better open threes um, and get that percentage up even uh just a little bit higher uh, that's that's even better yep so Nas Nas uh he looks slimmer I'm, in a good way yeah. and I saw a clip from practice where he is just explode look explosive man and he's reportedly slimmed down 10 to 12 pounds that wasn't from media today media day didn't talk about that um it they was in a Jason Quick article that yeah. was something interesting going into next season but other than that yeah I mean they asked him about his thoughts on the vaccine since he actually had COVID last year. And, uh, he said that was the right thing for him to do and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they asked him the accountability question too, which I asked everyone and he was all for it as well. Um, I think it's a good sign that he was one of the nine people that was interviewed today. Um, I think, Chauncey did say on Rip City Radio that he expects Ant and Nas, he like specifically mentioned both those guys. He said they're both young, but he expects them to have big seasons. That's awesome to hear. I I love hearing that. Thank you for sharing that. I need to listen to that one. Um, But uh, I don't know. Between that and them first saying he was going to play in summer league and then you know they have a few practices and then they're like oh he's not gonna play summer league i just feel like he's already proving in practice that he's legit and uh i i i think we wasted an opportunity by not forcing him minutes 
in the previous year um, to where he could have possibly been someone who helped us <laughs> become a better defensive team, and he can do so many things on offense. Uh, so I feel like he should have gotten more of a chance last year. Maybe that would have helped us. Um, you know, we, famously he earned the, the backup shooting guard spot, and then the next game after he says Stott says he's the backup shooting guard and he's earned it through his play and practice, then he played like four minutes or something. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that I was mean, well, another person that's probably not wasn't very happy with Stotts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, I, I think we're going to look at, at him this season and be like, dang, that guy is uh, for sure, at minimum, like, bench wing that you can count on and uh i think he's got a much higher ceiling than that he'll just work in chauncey's offense he'll work in transition when we run more because i expect us to run more same with ant a lot of these things apply to ant uh he's athletic so as a lob target in the half court you can run a backdoor lob for him you can have him as a cutter like he should excel as a cutter especially on design cuts Mm. um because he can he's quick he's strong he can finish around the rim. It's just a situation like he's not a one-on-one player, and our offense was so predicated upon one-on-one that if you got a guy like him in it, uh, he would get parked in the corner and would get some spot-up threes, but then, like, what else is he going to do? Attack one-on-one? No. But if you're moving the ball and giving him driving lanes to attack, he's going to make the most out of those. That's more his game is just straight-line driving right now. Um, And then... He'll get his threes. I think he'll shoot the ball decently this year. Um, But as a cutter, as a transition threat, as a lob target that you can run design backdoor lobs for, as uh, a guy that can straight line drive really, really well at this point, I think, if you give him the driving lane, Chauncey Billups' offense will work for him. He will have a good year next year. I am extremely confident about that. It'll be another Neil Olshay second-round draft pick that has a big season, uh, a big third season. Uh, Yeah, you know... Third, the third year is when Neil Olshay's second-round picks have good seasons. It happened with Pat Connaughton. It happened with Alan Crabb. Um, Gary Trent it's, Jr. did it a little bit earlier. That was the first-round pick. And the first-round pick early second. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, but, like, Ant last year had a good season. Um, yeah. You're right, I'm tripping. But, like... There's a third year jump that happens. So that would be Dexter? No, not him. <laughs> not him. Not him. Um, but like everybody talks about point. like sophomore leap, but I honestly think like as a sophomore law player start getting spot minutes and that helps them figure out what they need to work on. And then as a third year player, that's when they get the consistent chance and can really build and take a jump. And I think that'll be Nas. I think that'll be Nas this year. Um so yeah, I I just forget Anywhere I messed up, he's going to have a great year this year. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Like, I put Giles in the same category. Um, Often people would say, oh, yeah, he's got skills, but look how lost he looks on defense. Look how out of position he is, all that stuff. Well, if you have good coaching, that's what you're supposed to fix. And if you've got the guy that skilled and he's just – learning how to be in the right spots and he looks lost like that's when you want to give that guy minutes to learn and do proper film study call out when he makes mistakes and 
eventually he does learn. And that's why I said by the end of the season, he could have been something a lot more than he was last year if they just properly did that. But I don't feel like they did. And um, so once again, I feel like Chauncey's going to give him a chance and he's going to come in and if he messes up, Chauncey's going to be like, this is why you're not playing. You're not doing X, Y, and Z. And then he'll either do those things and earn his spot back and, and keep those minutes or he'll, you know, pout about it and stuff. I don't think he will, but like, those are your two options. And then like go to the bench and just lose out your position to someone else. And I don't think he's going to be like that. So I think he's going to blossom under someone who actually teaches him how to do it right. Instead of just being like, Oh, I can't play him. He looks lost, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm confident in him going into next year. Uh, you ready to move on to Rocco? Yep. This <laughs> has been a long stream. I'm starting yep. to uh, lose, lose the mind a little bit. Um, so I don't know if Andrew Miller's still in here. Apologies if he isn't because he asked us a question on Rocco. We said we'd get to it, but we did not plan on going this long. So um, this will be on Spotify. If you didn't catch the start of this, I will upload this to Spotify if you want to like re-listen to some of this, uh, especially if you missed the start. Uh, so uh stay tuned for that uh but andrew miller had a question that i want to answer it was with a dono he said was that guy trying to get a reaction from roco about offensive touches like does everyone not know roco's role from his own mouth he focuses on defense just curious about your guys's take what is your take what is your take on that eric well i mean roco said it himself and i 100 percent believe him uh i mean there's some players you might not believe in that situation but uh this guy, all he cares about is defense. He doesn't care about how many points he scored. Otherwise, he would he would shoot so much, so many more shots if he cared about that stuff. So he said he'd hit the open shot. He'd shoot it if he's open or what if he has to. But he doesn't really care about that. He just cares about defense. And uh, so yeah, for someone to try and get him to, to like change his mind about it or like like somehow change it to where he's like mad about it or something that's just not how wrong he seems like such a laid-back guy like like he doesn't give a crap (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah Uh, and i like that attitude about him andrew miller's still here good good i'm glad andrew Andrew. um yeah so uh, he's he's a three-point shooter that's where the majority of his offense is going to come from i think that having him just move a little bit more offensively will be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, cut a little bit more offensively. He's a guy that can finish around the rim if he's open. You know, he's just he's not a guy that's going to do a good job slashing uh, off the dribble too much and then finishing in traffic. But if you're able to get him on a cut uh, with some space around the rim, he can convert that way. So I uh, would like to see him use that way. And hopefully he can take a little bit of, of a step in terms of being a little bit more of a playmaker off the dribble. Um, Chauncey has helped a, a lot of Clippers players do that last season. So, uh, you know, that's something that he well, can Well, early in the offseason, did, he did say that he, that was something he wanted to improve too. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully he's able to do a little bit more of that. But he's not a guy that's going to <laughs> care about how many shots a game he gets or something like that. He wants to win. He and Larry Nance, that's, it's nice having guys like that, guys that 
don't care about shots. They want to win. Uh, they're confident in their offensive ability, but it's not something where they're they'll put their own offensive ability above uh, what is best for the team. Uh, you know, it's you know they're not guys that are super dynamic with the ball, so it's not a situation where it's like they're going to get frustrated if they only get seven or eight shots uh, a game. Um, that's something a little different with Nurkic, in my opinion. Nurkic uh, is better offensively than either of those guys and more dynamic and has more skills that set him apart at his position. So uh, I think that's where the frustration comes in for Nurk because he believes in, you know, he, he's just a different player and should be utilized like that to help the team, whereas Roko and Nance are more glue guys. Mm-mm. They're more glue guys, and when you have glue guys, you just want them to fit in and complement what you're doing with your better players, with your Dame, with your CJ, with your Nurk. Uh, and they need to help account for those guys' weaknesses. So with Dame and CJ, obviously that's defense, and both of them do that. Uh, and then complement them. Rocco can shoot threes well. Career year, 38% last year. Larry Nance Jr., 36% from three. So he can do it too. He can cut, finish around the rim, and averaged uh, three assists per game last year, so he can pass a bit. Uh, hopefully Roko takes a step that way. So that's the thing is your glue guys. You want them to be, you want them to embrace that role. You don't want guys that will, um, that don't enjoy being the glue guy and want to be the star. You mm. want guys that will embrace their roles and embrace doing what is best to help the team win. And that's the type of guy Roko is. Yeah. I don't know if that was today from Phillips, but it was recently where, I heard him say, like, you have to have guys like that. <laughs> um, and they have to know their role and they have to accept it. And if they don't, if they try to be something they're not, like, a la Kent Bazemore when he was here in Portland, <laughs> um, like, it doesn't work and it ruins the whole complexity of the team. But, um, man, I don't get why people think Rocco is an issue uh, because in terms of that glue role player that you were talking about. I mean, it's hard to find a better player than Rocco in that role and that position, a guy who will get it done on defense and who you can count on to knock down the open shot. If you get some, um, and, uh, every team needs those guys. And, uh, I think we're really lucky to have Rocco cause he's one of the best in the business at doing that. Yep. A hundred percent agree. So anything else you wanted to say with Rocco? No, uh, just All right. once again seems like a good guy <laughs> like everyone seems really nice so. yep so that's a wrap then uh with this media day reaction uh we'll have another stream thursday night going live around 9 30 p.m 9 45 p.m sometime in there uh that stream will be a lot shorter than this one don't know what we'll talk <laughs> about yet we'll figure out something we'll probably just preview things we want to see in the preseason we'll have like a that. couple days couple days of training camp to hopefully have yeah. some storyline about so yeah the the length of these will shorten up uh we'll have that stream thursday the last day of october uh september or the last day of september it's too late right now um and then next monday we will have a post game show uh right here on blazers uprise live preseason post game shows will be here on blazers uprise live regular season post game shows will be over on the main channel blazers uprise uh, so that's how we're doing it this preseason, and that's how we'll continue to do it. Uh, so the first preseason game is on a Monday. We will recap that game 
and then we'll have another stream next Thursday, and then the following week we have three preseason games that that'll be all our streams for the week. Then once the regular season gets rolling, we will get these episodes of Blazers Uprise live to 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, start times instead of 9.30 p.m., and that's so we can do picks against the spread and all that. So that's on tap. Any questions about the schedule of these streams or anything? Um, if you have them, put them in chat. Uh, I will try and upload more uh, <laughs> player previews. Just didn't have the best week last week, so trying to uh, get caught up on those. So expect uh, two tomorrow, two the next day. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do two a day so we can get caught up on them before the first preseason game. If not, I might have to do games afterwards, but I mean, it's not going to be a big deal. So uh, we'll, we'll get those out. Um, and yeah, any. <laughs> Mute what, that buzzer. So, how about a few more hours to touch on other teams? <laughs> yeah, you on a twenty-four hour stream? I mean, we're an eighth of the way there. Uh, uh let's just say the Philadelphia 76ers won this morning. I watched the whole thing with Doc. Funny. I watched the whole thing with Doc and Maury. Um, man, how was that? It was so awkward. Because every question, of course, was about that and stuff. But uh, uh, I give those guys props for sitting up there and answering every question. I mean, they kind of danced around some, but at least they sat there and took it. Um, that kind of reaffirmed to me what the Blazers should have done when they hired Stotts and just uh, – or not Stotts, uh, Billups and um, just kind of got it out of the way no matter how awkward or – or difficult that would have been. Um, and the thing with them is this is going to be a storyline until something happens with Ben Simmons. And, uh, yeah, they were basically, like, begging him to come back at one point, but then also trying to say, like, they're good without him, too, and all that. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. But uh, Maury thinks that they have the – Best team in the league that also has all young guys that still have a ton of internal growth left in them. <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, I see what he's saying. And yeah. I mean, like the best combination of win-now talent and young guys with upside mm-hmm. is basically what he's saying. I mean, you got Maxi there, but like other than that, what, what do you really have yeah i mean they have they have some young guys like thibault and um thibault just doesn't seem like a guy who's going to like be that much different you know what i mean paul reed i guess okay uh shape milton um i mean you can say that about us then yeah i mean i know i'm just like (laughs) that's what he's going for but like yeah jaden springer i guess if you want to include him Uh, i don't like his game um but yeah, I mean, like, every team has those level of players, maybe not to Maxi's level, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I mean, we got but... Nas and Greg Brown the third. Yeah. I mean, I'll put Trenton Watford up there with Paul Reed. So, yeah. Um, he's... I mean, kind of, he's kind of delusional. Sure, you can throw Ben Simmons in there, but he made it seem like if you weren't including Ben Simmons, they were still like that. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And I heard Doc's interview was terrible from Rob. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't mean, like I said, that. props to them for taking it. But, yeah. Yeah. 
they're in such a horrible position, and I don't know how they can go into this season without addressing the issue. Yeah. And they, they, a horrible look, I think. I mean, I know why they did it, but they fined Ben Simmons today for not showing up to media day. So, yeah. That'll get him to change his mind, right? <laughs> I mean, he's going to be docked paychecks worth yeah. more than that. You know, like what he makes in one game is worth more than that, and he'll be docked yeah. paychecks by not playing. So, I mean, yeah, I didn't think too much about that. The worst thing from today was Brad Beal. Oh, that but, was yeah. <laughs> that was the worst thing from today, bar none. This was one of the more entertaining media days, man, with the Ben Simmons stuff and then the COVID stuff. Bradley Beal's interviews. <laughs> It was real, real bad. And I'm not going to talk about it because I want to side off here and yeah. don't want to open up that can of worms, but my goodness. Right. Um, and then you have <laughs> Robin Robin Lopez saying that he uh, didn't watch or see the Milwaukee Bucks championship, so he's not sure if it happens, if it happened, and he needs to do his own <laughs> research, which is like a shot... Towards his teammate Jonathan Isaac. I know, that was like awkward, no teammates. <laughs> Rolo Ro- 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 on that team is fun. Because Jalen Suggs is his rookie, which I love. I love that Jalen Suggs gets Robin Lopez as his vet, because I love Jalen Suggs. Um, <laughs> Robin Lopez says something about like he's going to have rookies by, I don't know, there's like three different magazines. Like National so like, Geographic. Yeah. And, yeah. So a couple other magazines, and they were all going to like have like a book club basically a magazine club whatever you want to call it and they were all going to talk about what they read (laughs) and no you can't be in it yeah yeah um so i'm just i want to if that if he actually makes him do that i want to be a fly on the wall for that one but uh yeah so you had some entertaining moments you had some bad moments um it's funny how Dinwiddie. at least i read on twitter that he kind of took a shot at beal uh by saying that he was he said he was vaccinated and said some like no drama over here or something like that. Well, Trez took a shot at him too. Um, Did he? Yeah. Yeah. So, so some to the effect of yeah, I got my shot because I'm not selfish and I care about other people or something. <laughs> That's yeah. bad when your leader is doing that. That team. Mm. That team is. <laughs> that team is not well, going to be successful. I was thinking maybe they could be like a playing team, fringe playoff team. I am now. Yeah, when you're leader and your role guys, I mean, maybe it doesn't end up mattering, but it's just you're already off to a bad start. Dude, training camp hasn't even started, and you're already off to a bad start on media day. Well, at least with Washington, they're not. I mean, technically, as long as he doesn't test positive, that he can play in all their games. Whereas with Wiggins and uh, Kyrie, man. Are those guys really gonna sit out half the season? And if they do do that, like, how does that work? Like, would they would the teams even want them at practice for the rest of the games? Like, I don't know what that's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anything you want to add to this? I'll, I'm gonna hit no, it let's, outro. Let's get outro. Thank you yeah. everyone for watching. We appreciate you all, especially I was those not who prepared for whole. three hours. I'm cutting you off because I can't even think right now. My bad. Um, 
yeah, shout out to you if you watched the whole thing. I was not prepared for a three-hour live stream, all right? So, shorter ones, um, especially once, like, games get going. We have post-game shows. The Blakers are surprised. The live episodes will be shorter. When we're back to 3.30 p.m. start times, those will be, like, 45 minutes to an hour uh, with picks against the spread. And then whatever preview or NBA news is on tap for the day. So, looking forward to that. Uh, with that, that's going to be a wrap for this episode of Blazers Surprise Live. If you didn't catch the start of this, this will go up on Spotify probably tomorrow. I will upload that uh, around noonish. will probably be the goal. So um, you can definitely listen to the start on the go if you want to uh, on Spotify. Uh, other than that, um, Eric, we good? We're good. Good We're stream. Good. Thank you, everyone. All right. Appreciate Thank you. you tuning in. Yep. Thank you for watching. We're out of here. Time to go to bed. We'll catch y'all later. Peace out. Go Blazers.